Hey folks, welcome to episode 109 of the Becoming Human podcast. This episode features Jeff Hart. Jeff's a professor at Western Washington University and Jeff raised his son as a single parent. He's lived his life exploring a diverse array of interests such as competition shooting, kempo karate, sport bike stunt racing, ultra running, rock climbing, and mountaineering. I really like and can relate with Jeff's personality because I'm the kind of person who doesn't, I don't see myself as pursuing one thing for the rest of my life. Um, like I really like rock climbing and running and jujitsu. And if I were to just do one to the highest level of excellence, I'd have to give up those other things. And I've reached a few crossroads in my life where I've had to think a lot about what my priorities were and what would fulfill me. And it's helpful listening to people experience this time and time again throughout their lives, like Jeff. One way that I like to measure a person is by how clearly they can express themselves. I wonder if it's ever possible to achieve complete and lasting, unobstructed self-expression. My experience, I feel like that resistance, be it time, responsibilities, injury, finances, etc., is ever-present. Since unobstructed self-expression is so hard to grasp, it feels increasingly enjoyable as you grasp the ilk just a little bit more. like almost all activities that I do there's like moments of true clarity and the more that I do them and think about how I do them I feel like the better that I get and the funny thing is is like the more you obsess over becoming better it could interfere with your ability to realize unobstructed self-expression, right? It could be its own obstacle. <laughs> Jeff's life story of learning skills and pursuing fulfillment is a great study in problem solving to remove the intrinsic and extrinsic obstructions that would stifle his pursuit of fulfillment. Jeff and I discuss how building skills and activities do or do not transfer to the skills useful in daily life. It was fun to get all trad dad with Jeff and talk about how he balances parenting and pursuing his own passions. Without any further ado, here's Jeff. Way late on the forest floor. All right, Jeff. What's your favorite thing to eat while you're in the backcountry? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, what is my favorite thing to eat in the backcountry? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. You know, if it's short, I mm-hmm. I just don't eat anything. Really? Well, I mean, if it's, if, if it's like a race, I'm eating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, fuck. I know what my, oh, <laughs> oh yeah. no, go ahead. Okay, yeah, good. sure. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, avocados. Avocados? 100%. Oh, avocados. yeah. Do you slice them up or do you keep them whole already? I've oh, done, I've done a variety of different things. Like I'll put them in a wrap. That's probably the easiest is mm-hmm. you slice it up, put it in a wrap, and then you can just have a wrap with, Ooh. with avocado. Um, but, um, uh, I've also done where I take the whole avocado mm-hmm. and you just cut off the, the, the stem end mm-hmm. and, and squeeze it out. 
What? And it becomes your own little gel. Oh, that's tight. <laughs> the pit stays in there. It helps to mash things up. And then you have a husk that you can kind of, you know, if, you know, everybody's fine with it, you just toss. Yeah, yeah. that's not bad at all. Well, I'll tell you, Blair's like, oh, what was that? I'm yeah, <laughs> actually, but yeah, that's like, if I'm in the backcountry, like that's more running. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I would do that. I would do that climbing. You do that climbing. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. for a long time, peanut butter was my go-to. Peanut butter? Yeah. Oh, that's great. It doesn't sit well in my stomach, so I try and avoid it. Oh, really? As I'm getting older. Yeah, yeah. see, I get that like. It's crazy. Like, like almost like a dog with peanut butter if my mouth's too dry, so I have to make sure my hydration's yeah. on point. And I mix, yeah. I dilute the peanut butter with honey, too, because I like yeah. honey. Honey. It's good. Yeah. Eat. I have honey every day. (laughs) (laughs) So you you prefer fats, it sounds like? Yeah, like I've gone back and forth. I've never gone like full keto, but um, I do a a high fat diet and and try and keep it moderate carb is probably what I would call it. But I found my my immune system was more resilient. I have uh, some trouble, some dental issues, right? And I would get abscesses. Yeah. It really? I have teeth that just break. They just kind of go, oh, I think I'm done with this world. (laughs) And they'll just break. No, thank you. Terrible. I brush them and they're like, oh, you have horrible yeah. cavities. <laughs> I feel like I'm trying. Right. Are you brushing? Yeah. Yes. Every day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And teeth that just fall out. Yeah, it's exactly. Terrible. And when I was a kid, I'd eat goldfish, right? And yeah. this is like, it's just so different. Because I'd eat a full <laughs> carton of goldfish and then okay. I'd fall asleep without brushing. Uh, and yeah. it was just goldfish like mashed in my <laughs> mouth. It's like, oh, of course I have cavities. Yeah. <laughs> but now, you know, if I'm not careful, like when I was doing the Orcas 50, I was like, well, I haven't had soda in two years. So now's the oh, best time to have it. And I'm yeah. drinking soda and doing all those things. And then my an abscess flares up. Oh. And yeah. And so I have to be, yeah. regardless, like very careful. Um, but I got my teeth pulled now. But even then, it was an indication that, okay, if that's causing like my, you know, abscesses, then how is it affecting how I feel? <laughs> I, well, so if, if I were to characterize historically what my body, you know, this is the body built by Diet Mountain Dew and peanut butter, <laughs> peanut butter and honey. Yes. But I'm doing better, a little bit better. At least with the peanut butter and honey. It's good. You ever get the shakes from Mountain Dew when you didn't have it? I can't. So I can't do. I get the shakes from regular sugar colas or colas uh, or soda that has corn syrup. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. Makes me jittery. Wow. I feel really? terrible. So I so I drink diet mm-hmm. because it doesn't do anything. That's why. But I like the taste. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. But if it's if it's like like the. Coke from Mexico, mm-hmm. you know, the pure cane sugar Coke. Yeah. No problems. Wow. It's really weird. That is strange. Yeah. So, so high fructose corn syrup doesn't play well with me. And, and I have known that for a long time. Mm-hmm. It really hasn't slowed me down from eating other kinds of candy. <laughs> yeah. Terrible sweet too. That's awful. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, uh, yeah. But you, I, I, I want to jump back because mm-hmm. I was, when you mentioned what do I eat in the backcountry, you were, th- you put it in the framework of climbing and I put it in the framework of like running or mm-hmm. endurance type stuff. And climbing though, I, Oops. so um, I can, I'll go all day. I won't eat anything. Really? I'll do, I'll do full day, you know, like, um, you know, full day climb, multi-pitch mm-hmm. and not eat anything. I think I had, I, so, um, you're familiar with the goat wall over in Mazama. Yeah. And, Cause we talked about mm-hmm. uh, some of those climbs. You did prime rib this year and I did, um, fly boys. Yeah. And that day, um, you know, is 
eight, is it 18 pitches? 18 pitches, yeah. I, we did 18 pitches, uh, camped at the top, drove to the bottom, uh, rode our bikes the 13 miles back to our car at the end. So it's a mm-hmm. full day. I mean, oh, we started wow, yeah. at like 6 a.m. and we were back to our car at 4 p.m. And I uh, didn't eat anything. And mm-hmm. I only drank about 12 ounces of water the whole day. Wow, was it a sunny day? Bluebird yeah. day? Wow. Yeah, it was a nice day. It wasn't, it was kind of miserable on the bike down, mm-hmm. but we re, we got on it early and we kind of um, missed the real heat yeah. of the valley. So wow. I, and I, I wish I could tell you what it is. Mm-hmm. It's just like, just kind of go into this kind of low energy mode where it's like, okay, power burst. Yeah, sure. I can do that. And I, and I have a ditty bag that I carry on like long Alpine routes <laughs> like that. And I have a couple gels and some stuff in there. Some and I, I had food. We had, I had a sandwich in, in our pack mm-hmm. and you know, but yeah, it was just water. Wow. Just about I, less than half of an algae. Yeah. I feel like with the climbing, um, you know, especially how the energy levels kind of change from when you're leading around a blaine or out, um, yeah. it, it's kind of conducive for that because now that you're so. mentioning it, like anytime that I'd have lunch, it was more like, Oh, I think I should eat now. Yeah. You don't you, and, Right. I just don't <laughs> feel like eating. It's like, um, by the end of the day, you know, by the time we were biking, if it wasn't a downhill bike, I would have been hurting bad, mm-hmm. but my energy level just kind of stays consistent. Maybe that's, um, a lifetime of endurance sports. You know, it's <laughs> like you're, I'm, you know, my body's like, tune for high output, you know, all the time, you know, like running or biking or triathlon or whatever it might be. And that's just low enough energy that, you know, it can trickle. I don't know. Mm, yeah. It'd be fun too, for me to play with intermittent fasting in that regard too. Yeah, I've done that. With, I did that for yeah. a while. In fact, my best hundred miler, I was, um, was my closest to being like, uh, on a keto diet, mm-hmm. you know, wow. low carb, high fat. And, um, I used intermittent fasting and I used fasted runs, um, and, um, would, uh, you know, get up to like two, three hours with, with nothing but water in the mountains. Not, not, uh, you know, we're not talking like in the city or in the flats, not flat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and you know, had, had, you know, one of the better hundred mile races, not (laughs) that I've done a bunch, but had one of the better races or had, had, you know, PR'd and had my, had my best race. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So. Yeah. Even especially being in, in the mountain environments, um, and if I'm not running it hard, I can I feel like I can get away too in that regard with not eating as much. But when I come home, oh, I have to go grocery oh, it's shopping terrible. frequently. It's I eat terrible so much. for the next two days. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, <laughs> ravenous. Yeah. Um, and I've noticed that this year. So I've been, um, working with Abram mm-hmm. that, you know, you've had him on early on, uh, working with him with, with at Aspire, mm-hmm. you know, guiding clients all summer and the intensity level of kind of being at the back, you know, guiding, um, uh, means that the, uh, you know, I'm really not eating a lot, mm-hmm. but that low, that low burn efficiency is there. And I can just, and I just don't eat. I haven't been eating that much when I've been running. Mm, it's like yeah. every couple hours, mm. like, Oh yeah, I better eat some chews. I'm going to, I'm, this is not good. I need to stay on top of this. I'm carrying tons of food because yeah. you're guiding. It's like, Oh, I can't, I can't <laughs> not have it. I'm carrying three mm-hmm. times the water I need just in case somebody mm-hmm. needs something. But, um, but I just don't feel like I've wow. needed that much. Usually, yeah, usually it's like, like if I'm in a race, it's very, I like I, you know, I worked very hard to dial in what works for me mm-hmm. for the first eight or so years. I would, 
overeat. Mm-hmm. Like I was, I, you know, people say, oh, you know, 300 calories or 350 or whatever people, different, different people say. And I just always felt miserable and had gut issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found that my, I'm, I'm about 185 calories an hour mm-hmm. to be precise. Wow, dialed that in. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like a scientific, no, uh, that's just what it calculated out in my last hundred was that I was doing about 185 calories an hour. Um, and most of that was liquid. Mm-hmm. The only thing that wasn't liquid was a handful of potato chips at every aid station. Mm-hmm. Were you doing like tailwind or something? Tailwind. Yeah. See, yeah. I, I'm loving tailwind. Tailwind is, is, has worked for me so well. No abscesses in the sense like oh, it yeah. doesn't. Yeah. Well, I don't really have much of a trouble with it anymore. But after that was happening, I changed the diet. And then I was trying to do these long unsupported outings. And tailwind yeah. makes it way easier. It's so easy. It's you a just, powder. Yeah. Like, it's powder. It's got all your calories. It's got the electrolytes. It's got everything. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, it doesn't make my stomach feel crummy. I still get the empty stomach feeling. That's mm-hmm. the weird thing. It's like, oh, I'm not hungry, but my stomach feels empty. It's yeah. So I got a question. What what's it like for you uh, in the day to day? Like, do you do you find yourself like eating for for fun um, or eating things that you shouldn't and having a hard time negotiating yourself off that ledge? So for me, I uh, my I know my pattern. I haven't found a way to circumnavigate it (laughs) effectively. And that is I have gobs of, of willpower in the morning Mm -hmm. and I eat really good in the morning. Um, Oh, the other thing, the other thing I do and is, and I, and I still do this is I try and keep a 12 hour block where I don't eat. Mm -hmm. And if I'm better at it, it's more like 14 hours. So Mm -hmm. I only have about 10 hours a day where I'm eating. Um, But during the, uh, you know, during like work days, like, come home from work at the end of the day and um, sit in front of the TV. Mm-hmm. And then I just get munchy. Yeah. Munchy AF. And I just can't stop myself. Mm-hmm. And that's where, that's where it's like, um, uh, all I could find last night was graham crackers. So I opened up a thing of frosting <laughs> and had some graham crackers oh, yeah. with frosting after they cool off in the freezer. <laughs> right. So it's oh, like, yeah, delicious. I know there's not a fucking thing that's good about that yeah. for you. But I can't, you know, I just no. couldn't stop myself. Yeah, yeah. I, and it's I like, have the oh, same well. thing. It's like my son's like, let's make cookies. And I'm like, mm, yeah, let's make cookies. And then I'm like, I'll, I'm going to have one, okay? And then we'll, we'll like save we'll, the rest. Yeah. And then he'll wake up in the morning. He's like, Dad, why are all my, half my cookies gone? <laughs> and I'm like, well, <laughs> so here's why. <laughs> Making cookies is hard for me. <laughs> my son is 14 and he absolutely hates it because uh, there are very clear guidelines in my house. If there's donuts in the house, mm-hmm. there's a 24 hour statute of limitations on that. <laughs> if you, if you think you're going to hoard that donut or you're going to hoard that cookie, mm-hmm. I'm going to find it and I'm going to eat it. <laughs> so after 24 hours, if you say it was yours, it's not yours anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so yeah, I bet I try it. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, I don't have the best eating habits. I do eat healthy for the most part, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, but not necessarily like um, vegetarian or meatitarian or, you know, I just kind mm-hmm. of eat what I like. Yeah. And I have um, simple tastes. Simple yeah. tastes. Yeah. yeah. I don't like, you know, I don't like super spicy food. I don't like fancy food. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. No fancy feast. No. Cat cat. <laughs> None of that. <laughs> um, what I found out in running is like, cause you explain that you're trying to dial in how many calories per hour, specifically when you, you know, you're having like a race environment, yeah. uh, encourages you to be more structured perhaps. Um, is that, 
it helped me to distinguish the feeling of hunger and those sensations that I get that make me feel uncomfortable, which makes me think I'm hungry. Right. And like, I'd have trouble sitting there, you know, I get the munchies and I'm like, well, no, you're really hungry. Um, and then you probably did like a lot of activity today and you yeah. should get some extra calories. <laughs> and you know what? If you eat some sugar, it's completely fine. Yeah. And if I'm running though, like if I decide to, if I'm on my way to a run and I eat three bars in like 20 minutes because I'm like, I have a hard time keeping bars in my house because I'll just, yeah, yeah I, I, the easy, discipline man. is small yeah. Yeah, and easy. I'll feel like crap in <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> going back to like my, my <laughs> you enjoyment. yourself. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, well, what are you doing? And like, if you look at, think of the book, like Victor Frankl's man search for meaning, yeah. like running at that point or doing that, um, getting to the top of that mountain, right. was more important to me than enjoying that those parts right and so over time it became more worthwhile and actually easier i didn't have to be a tyrant like talking shit to myself trying to force myself to like really you know be responsible and take care of myself it's like no i want to get to that mountain and it feels way better to be euphoric and run and this is preventing me from doing it so it's a little it's been a little easier for me to recognize that oh you're gonna go and just eat munchies right now you're munching dude Throw yeah. it in the back seat. You can't reach back there while you're driving. And then just right. head to the trail. Yeah. yeah. Or, you know, in my case, have my wife hide them. Yes, exactly. The Reese's peanut butter cups are hidden somewhere in my house right now. Yeah. And it's killing me. I have had times where, like, I would I would um, berate myself greatly for for that, those eating habits yeah. and I'd get down on myself and, and you, and you can spiral so easily into that, um, n- negative spiral. Um, but, but I have gotten better at accepting that I really just kind of fluctuate mm, and I, I really do have times where, uh, my body just says, Oh, I just want to munch and I munch. And then I'll have days where it's like, no, I didn't eat today. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't think I'm going to eat. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I just kind of, I don't know. I'm good with my rhythms. <laughs> I learned that in, in <laughs> listening to Sean Bearden's training for ultra um, podcast where they yeah. have like coaches corner and they're, they're all talking about how to use like using watches and using different metrics of like, you know, cause like runners um, will among other athletes too, will use like heart rate to be able to gauge um, whether or not they should take a rest uh, mm-hmm. and also heart rate to gauge, okay, today's going to be my easy, you know, run if it's like a five out of 10 on effort level. Um, and they would look at their, some people would look at their watch and be like, no, it's not a five or a 10 effort level, you know, that intuitive gauge, it's a uh, 135 BPM. And I have to hit that number precisely. And like, you start to what happens to people over time is that they will fixate on the data and then they'll lose touch with their body. And right. the data is not always not the data is never going to be as smart as this brain that has been evolving to yeah. drive this meat vehicle for like years and like right. you know does all the way to your ancestors. Yeah. And like when you become out of touch with your body it, it can be uh dangerous and also counterproductive. Um and I find that with, with like the eating and stuff like that is I'm these things are making me more in touch with my body. And I'm trying to be able to gauge how I feel. And that's even what like what I eat is oh I'm craving sugar. That's interesting. I'm craving that. Yeah. And like just thinking about that and not like, you know, beating myself up because I'm not following my expectations, right? And that's and I think that's the biggest part is somehow finding that balance of of being okay with it. 
not beating yourself up, but not giving into it and yeah. just going, oh, well, I'm just a couch potato now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I don't know how you how well, you do that effectively, but that's that like Eastern philosophical thing of like walking the middle path, right? Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, and I like when I find the balance where I feel like, yeah, I'm okay with this. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, you know, in the summertime, if we're out, if I'm out doing, you know. Alpine adventures, uh, at the end of the day, I'm, I love nothing more than finding a place that has a good burger with avocado yeah. on it. Right. And fries. Oh yeah. And, and that's my go-to. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, so in the summer, you know, when I'm off work, we could, I could be doing three or four of those adventures every mm-hmm. week. <laughs> that's a lot of burgers. Yeah, that is a lot of burgers. <laughs> so I have to be okay with that. And, <laughs> and, uh, Yeah. Because it'd be, you know, yeah, we can, mm-hmm. we beat ourselves up for a lot of things that I think, um, probably wash out in the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't, I, yeah, it's I that. have so many stresses in my life and, <clears throat> and that's not one I want. Yeah. Precisely. It's not right. one I can, I can, yeah. The others I can't, I can't get rid of, mm-hmm. you know, having a teenage boy, mm-hmm. I can't change yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's the biggest one. It's like, oh like my gosh. Paradio's principle is the, you know, the 80-20 principle, which is like, <laughs> yes, you look really, at like 20% yeah. of the things that produce 80% of your outcome and, yeah. you know, raising a teenage boy and also just being consistent in the things that you do. Like, yeah. Which also leads to that, that kind of concept of the 80-20 is, is very similar in, um, the eating, you know, it's like, okay, so five days a week, I try and be pretty good. And mm-hmm. then two days, I just don't really care yeah. when I'm in the off season, you know, in the, in the summer, usually my efforts enough that I just, I don't really even mm-hmm. pay attention. That's how I was. I was like, Oh, I'm going to have scones. <laughs> this is yeah, fine nice. with honey. Of <laughs> yes, course. exactly. Yes. I'm like, I just got done <laughs> climbing, um, prime rib and I'm going to go and climb in Washington pass tomorrow. So do some like multi-pitch Alpine stuff. And it's like, Oh, scones. I'd like two of those. <laughs> <laughs> two of those, please. Yes. Yeah. And that was like, I would, a year before that, I would go to Disneyland with my son. He's like, Dad, let's get ice cream. And I'm like, I'll get you ice cream and yeah. I'll take a bite. And then yeah. that stuck with me because I was like, oh, you, you're healthy, so, right. but deprived. But, but it, what, yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah, if it sticks in your head that long, you know, there's something that <laughs> you're not okay <laughs> yeah, with. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Was it really worth not sharing that moment with my son? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, yeah. and all these, you know, 80% of the time I don't eat ice cream. Why don't I just not, you know, eat some ice cream? This this moment that means a lot to my son. Just, yeah. But having said that, the the times I've done the best in races and events and and experiences have been the times when I've been the best, been on my eating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, The thing I don't like is, is the, the annual weight fluctuation, Mm. you know, the winter weight. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I've had that ever since my youth and I ate like shit when I was younger. Me too. All the time. Yeah. and and it was totally fine until mm-hmm. I turned about forty. Oh, really? And so for the last ten years, mm-hmm. it's hard. Every season, it's harder and harder to take it back off at the wow, at the end of winter. No so I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. Clear. Clearly, my metabolism is not what it was. Mm-hmm. So now I'm like, you know, each fall. That in fact, you know, this kind of comes around too because, in fact, that's part of why. You know, before we started, we were talking about, you know, being well balanced and mm-hmm. do and not, you know, I'm not going to be like, I don't want to be just the hundred mile person. I don't want to just do that. 
um, being well-rounded. Cause every time I go so intensively into any one thing, mm-hmm. I think you talked about this with Brian too, uh, earlier. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, so that, that level of intensity that takes, um, you to the upper mm, stratosphere yeah. of eliteness, so to speak, always leads to injury in me. Mm-hmm. And so every, every year, the cycle for me was early in, in ultra running was, um, I would push hard, push hard, build, do that hard race Mm -hmm. and come down lame. And then I'd be lame for, you know, whether it's like a, you know, pulled Achilles or, or, you know, I don't know, just something, something. And then I'd be off. But of course you're then off right when your metabolism is, is peaked. And so you have this desire to eat everything Mm -hmm. and, and then, but you're not exercising the same. So, yeah. So I would constantly, I I kind of did this cycle for a long time where I was like, (laughs) Oh, okay. This is what people say to eat. This is what people say to do for training. And I would, do it. And then I would have, you know, some problem with my foot or whatever. And, um, then I'd spend November and December and January injured. Oh yeah. And so now more and more like the last three years, actually, since I finished hard rock, I've had this a different mentality of, okay, no, now I really want to, I want to stay even. I want to be consistent mm-hmm. and not have that downtime because mm. that's when those extra pounds get packed on in the winter. Mm-hmm. So and psychologically, how, how do you feel in comparison to your old cycle? Oh, much, much better. Much better. Yeah. yeah. Um, particularly in that, um, for the last, like, well, for, for sure this year, much better. Cause this year, like I've done, um, a lot of running adventures, mm-hmm. you know, up to ultra distance. Um, and you know a couple 50 mile or longer um adventure things or races what's a running adventure look like um well so early let's see what it was it may or june somewhere around the first of june uh a group of us up in in bellingham decided to do the the bay to baker Mm -hmm. so run from the bay up to the top of mount baker oh wow um and so you know, you just map out the course. You you run over there. When we got to the base of the mountain, you know, you kind of shift from climbing gear to, I'm sorry, from running gear to mountaineering gear. Mm-hmm. So you're changing, you know, shoes and boots and backpacks, ice axes, whatnot. Uh, of course, somebody got um, sick, and so we had to turn back before we we got to the summit. Mm-hmm. But you know, that's kind of the running adventure kind of thing. So wow, that's, you're like starting at sea level too, right? Yes. Yeah, sea level. And that goes up to 10,700 and yeah. we didn't get that high. You know, we didn't get up on the mountain, but, um, so we went back the next weekend and summited the mountain. Oh, wow. So we still got to do all the things, but yeah, that would be the kind of running adventure. And then mm-hmm. I think a week or two later I had the sun mountain 50 miler. Oh, that's so, so cool. it was fun. Or maybe that was before. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But the, the point is like, um, you know, so I, I was in good running shape. Mm-hmm. I was not in like prime running shape. I wouldn't want to try a hundred miler, but then I could turn around the next day and still go out climbing and do something like prime rib and come out or uh, fly boys and come mm-hmm. out happy and ready to do another adventure the next day. Mm-hmm. It's wow. like, so nothing so, so crazy that I couldn't, 
nothing so crazy that I had to have downtime. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where I'm at. It's like, oh yeah, I, w- I want to do all kinds of good stuff, but I don't want anything that's going to just beat me down too much. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and that's, yeah, I really like that. And it's interesting the way that you've had to navigate that to figure out your preferences and like, you know, the self-experimentation, just trial and error. Yeah. Uh, I've tried to do both um, long distance running and, <clears throat> and, um, quote unquote, hard climbing, you know, my, you know, Mm -hmm. what would have been for me hard climbing and the two don't mesh well, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. the, 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 every time I get into good running shape, I have no upper body. It's like shoulders and just kind of, you know, all of that just kind of goes away. It's like, yeah, I can still climb at a relatively, you know, decent level, but, um, there's just nothing there, you Mm -hmm. know? And, um, but if I but if I balance the two, then you know, can have a year like this where you know I ramp back up, got up to where, you know, I'm leading, you know, solid five ten trad. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not where I used to be, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, solid five ten trad means you have an un, uh, more than a lifetime of climbing to do in the mountains oh, around yeah. just around here. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I you know that at the beginning of the season. You know, I was struggling on five nine sport, mm-hmm. so it's like, okay, yeah, I can see that progress. Yeah. That's good, and I'm not injured. I don't have any pulley in- issues, mm-hmm. and I'm still running a lot. So it's like, okay, I've, I've found a pretty good balance. That's so cool. I'm really happy with it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't. Yeah, I just don't want to do one thing right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's that's where like we we're talking before the podcast, where I find like to gauge one success, which can be so challenging because you know the the benchmarks are not always. The same or not the same for everyone is to pursue unobstructed self-expression is to understand even going down to like the eating thing as well is like to understand your 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 body's um, desires feelings right and to know how to respond appropriately so that you can take yourself you can fulfill yourself yeah and, and navigate any of the issues that come along so that you can have a greater and more nuanced understanding yeah that yeah, for sure it's i mean it's a fine bat you're just constantly playing mm-hmm. that balance game and i just have always had a hard time being defined by one thing i'm i have wanderlust i never want to i never want to do the same thing for too long mm-hmm. the only things that have really kind of always been there for me are mountains <laughs> climbing and running they've just always been there um but you know i i've i've i don't know i've done a whole bunch of stuff like i fenced in college wait what i've done more yeah right so yeah. so like tell me about this because like you seem to be interested like interested I, in some wild if, things if dude. i find something that i'm interested in i just I, I pursue it where did this curiosity start like what was the first thing that really sparked your interest um, the first one was bike riding, oh, yeah, like, bike, bike, biking? like road racing wow. yeah, I want to do road racing and I'm, and I'm pretty sure, and this could be apocryphal in my memory, but I'm, <laughs> I really think it was the movie breaking away, which if you haven't seen, it's an, a very early, probably one of his first roles, Dennis Quaid. Mm-hmm. And they're on this, um, this, you know, kind of grassroots cycling club team. Oh, wow. They're called the cutters. It's just, it's absolutely awesome. It's like just gets me going yeah. biking wise and I see this. And so I work very hard and get a bike. And at the time I lived in Utah, um, just, 
just below Little Cottonwood Canyon where Snow Snowbird is and Alta are up that canyon. And so, you know, I get this bike and at 10 years old, um, uh, I decide my goal is I want to ride my bike to Alta. I want to ride mm-hmm. it up the canyon. This is during the summer, not, wow. not during the winter. Uh, that would be yeah, <laughs> a whole other, whole other world. But, um, and so, you know, and I, I have, I have no recollection if my parents even knew really how far from home I was going, but you know, I, I worked uh, a whole summer to, to build up that endurance to ride. Um, and it's probably a 30 mile round trip, mm-hmm. but um, actually I don't know what, I don't know what Alta, I mean, it's maybe three or 4,000 feet of gain mm-hmm. um, over 15 miles for a, for a bike ride. You were 10? And I was 10. Wow. Yeah. So I just, I, I just had this passion. Um, and we lived by these mountains, you know, um, my favorite mountain in the world is Mount Timbinogus. It's a mountain there in Utah and I've climbed, um, I don't know, maybe 50 times or so. What do you from love about routes. it? It, it it was just iconic to me. It stands above the, the valley, so you see it everywhere. Um, and there are a variety of ways to get to the top of it. It's the first mountain I climbed in the winter that was more or less non-technical. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was really just kind of, I mean, you needed ice axe, crampons. Um, and so, and during college, I would, you know, go out and hike and, and run up it and it has snow field on the back that we'd slide down. Oh, so it's all of these things. Yes, yeah. Like so your playground and it's the thing that's looming in the distance as you're growing up. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. and, and while I'm in college, I see f- people fencing. So I'm like, Oh, that looks good. I'll try that. And, and, but at the same time, you know, in the back is always, always the mountains like, Oh, okay. People are doing something. I'm going to go climb Timp. I'm going to go, I'm going to go do this. Oh, people are going up. Sure. So you get to the top of Timpanogos and um, you find out there's a mountaineering club in town. So you start going, so I start going to the mountaineering club and then it's like horizons open, you know, yeah. it's like finding one climb, doing one climb. And then you all of a sudden realize, Oh, if I can climb five, eight, there's all these other things I can climb. <laughs> yeah. It was the same for the mountains. It's like, uh-huh. Oh, well, you know, in order to climb, any other mountain, you're going to need X, Y, and Z. <laughs> oh, I better start working on those skills. <laughs> and, um, oh, if you want to climb, you know, if you want to climb, uh, did a lot with caving too. Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I've been um, exploring caving around this area and it's been a blast. That's oh, cool. Oh, I would love to go into some caves. Yeah, absolutely. I haven't been the, in any caves for a while. We have the unmarked locations uh, with, the, with the grotto. We don't go with the grotto, yeah. but we grab the keys at the, the ranger station down there by Helen's. That's but, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll talk. Yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> I, I helped form, and I don't even know if it's still around, it was called the Color Country Grotto. Oh. It was the it was the grotto for southern utah Ooh. and we explored a bunch of caves and mapped several caves and so i and and then you start getting to that you know it's like okay this is kind of like mountaineering except you're going down instead of up mm-hmm. and you're scrambling it's like scrambling you know you get in there you're roll crawling around it's just great yeah and it all kind of blends together and then you go oh well if you want to go in that cave you have to learn how to repel okay <laughs> but then you also need to learn how to ascend a rope okay Better learn that. And then you start looking at the mountains again and you go, oh, there's the Grand Teton. Oh, that's a climbing route. Hmm. Oh, I guess I better learn how to climb. Wow. So this is how, you know, so it's like it's always been the mountains, but they all kind of like each one is like a passion and, and mm-hmm. a new direction. In and of itself. In and right? of itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now my latest one, and I haven't followed it yet, I, is um, paragliding. 
It's like a lightweight paraglider where you can run or hike to the top of a mountain and then paraglide (laughs) off. It's like, oh, that sounds awesome. That's exactly the kind of thing that I want to do. So cool. And I follow, you know, he doesn't know me from Adam, but I follow like Cedar Wright, who's a big climbing (laughs) uh, guru. And he does a lot of paragliding. So I see his stuff and I'm like, oh, man. Can you climb and paraglide with gear? Uh, I would or assume he's he? probably done all, wow, all yeah. of the above. Because yeah. I've watched Sketchy Andy over like Andy yeah. Lewis. Yeah. yeah. And I can't figure out. I want to reach out to him. Um, but because they, they do base jumping off the top of a lot of the climbs. Right. I'm trying to figure out if they base jump with gear and so they don't repel. And if you get like a 90 second bait, I can't do, I'll wait till my son gets older, but, um, right, yeah, yeah. and, but if you could base jump off a climb, like that would yeah. be, cause it'd be such a cool way to like see, or just any way to be in the air to see the local valley, like the valley yeah. and just everything. I know like, that's uh, to me that there's an appeal to that. There's an adventure to it. Mm-hmm. As I get older, it's like, oh yeah, paragliding doesn't, you know, it doesn't require. Yeah. It's, it's a good, I think it's a good balance for getting older. It's mm-hmm. like. I don't think it takes a lot of upper body strength. You know, there's some dexterity and coordination and things like that. But anyway, um, Steph Davis is out of Moab. And you should follow her. Yeah. She doesn't post a lot, but she does a lot of that base jump, jumping stuff. Um, but yeah, I, so I'm always looking for something new. <laughs> I, the other one is like sailing. I really want to buy a sailboat Yeah. so that I can sail up to Squamish Ooh. and then just and then just bike to the crags and that then come back rad. to the boat and sleep at night. That'd be so cool. Just, and I know that's a very my that's a very singular <laughs> and silly reason to yeah. have a sailboat, but I just would love to sail from Bellingham up <laughs> all the way up there um and and climb. Wow. It just would be fun. That would be so cool. So I yeah, I never I never stop I, like for me life is about pursuing something new, seeing something I haven't seen, doing mm-hmm. something I haven't done, doing something that not many people have done. And of course, you know, everything that I could possibly think of has been done, but mm, yeah, but to me, it's like, that's, that's where the drive is, mm. um, is always, is always reaching. So that makes sense. That does make sense. Yeah. Do you, or would you able, be able to do then, um, enjoyably for the most part, a like one mile loop for, you know, X amount of miles. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I tried to do, so I tried to do a loop course. It was more like a two and a quarter mile loop mm-hmm. last year. I was going to, I wanted to do it for a hundred miles to get, uh, cause I, like I always do <coughs> mountain races, like the likelihood that, you know, the hundred mile races that I tend to gravitate towards that I'm going to be able to do one in under 24 is, mm-hmm. is slim to nil with yeah. my ability and my intensity and effort and whatnot. But, um, a flat one, I, you know, I <laughs> think I can do sub 24, yeah. hundred miler. And so I went down there to do that. And after 50 K, I was like, <laughs> oh, this sucks. I'm out. <laughs> and I bailed because you come by your tent, you know, you have a yeah. tent set up you, and you come by it. How and many? that was every two and a quarter miles. Wow. I can't imagine doing it on a mile. How long do you think it was for 50 K that you were spending? Oh, overall? I, oh, I think I finished in like five hours and 10 minutes. I still so not, can, that's a long time pretty, for me. Really fast for me for a 50 K around. But, though. You stuck it out for a long time, but I had I had gone with the intention of being there for twenty four yeah. hours. Oh yeah, so exactly. to me, so see, it's funny that mm-hmm. you you framed it in the way I should look at it, mm-hmm. but to me, it's like no, I totally failed. Yeah, yeah, 
I because I went with the expectation that okay, I'll hit 100 miles or 24 hours, whichever comes first, mm-hmm. and hopefully the 24 the the 100 miles. Yeah. Um, but by the afternoon, it's like you know, I could be done. I could be home. I could be drinking. Mm-hmm. I could be doing whatever I want tonight in my own bed. This is stupid. <laughs> and I bailed. Yeah, yeah I bailed. Wow. I did run a I did run a ten mile race the next day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so clearly I was not hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, all the mind. that's all the mind. Yeah, yeah. no, the, the, yeah. But, but that does that like, and that's the question that I'd have for myself is like, does that mean that that I have like. Um, failed in that moment of overcoming my uh, my mind, or is it that I've learned that I have preference? And that's yeah, I don't know where is that. Yeah, where is that balance? Um, I'm sure that you know. The last time I did the Wasatch 100, mm-hmm. there's this one section, and it's you know relatively early in the race. It's you know about mile 38 to mile 50. That's really hot, really exposed, mm-hmm. and 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 I just hate it. It's just it's <laughs> terrible. And um, I'm sure my wife. It, well, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> this last time I was doing Wasatch, I'm like, I called my wife in that part. I'm like, what am I doing here? I've done this race before. I don't need this shit. Why? Why am I doing this to myself? And she's like, you chose this. You work towards it. Now get out there and get at it. And I'm like, oh, you suck. <laughs> so I'm looking, you know, I'm like calling. I, I didn't have any pacers or anything. I'm calling her to, to, to get some sympathy. And she's like, no, you just, you just suck it up. <laughs> run, into, this. run into a really good friend at the, the next aid station, try and complain to her. And she's like, have a None of it. It's like, <laughs> nope, get out of here. It's like, I hate both of you. Yeah, why? <laughs> but yeah, so where is that? Ba- you know, it's like, where is that balance of, um, yeah, this is what I wanted. This is this is a good decision, or mm-hmm. this is just a I'm uncomfortable decision. Yeah. Um, that one was, you know, that that hundred mile effort last year was tef- definitely like. I was just not happy being comfort uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. No reason I couldn't have kept going. See, I could have laid down and taken a nap for an hour and walked the rest of the hundred miles mm-hmm. and, wow. and finished in under twenty four. Wow. I mean I, I got home That's, and I did the yeah. math. I'm oh like, my gosh. I could have walked at a twenty minute pace and I could have finished. You so so you frame it as like oh you stuck it out for a long time and me I'm like oh man you pansy yeah I'm gonna turn it around though because I did did the try to do the the Orcus fifty miler yeah and that's a loop and it's beautiful it's a marathon two two loops yeah two okay. loops so um and it's about a marathon each and they have a marathon you know marathon course and the fifty miler um and I hit the first loop. And I'm like, I'm dying. <laughs> I had a headache for like 15 miles yeah. and it's not going away. It's keep, it keeps coming. And I look and it's like left. Oh, there's a oh. theme here. Yeah. Marathon yeah. finish and then 50. And I'm like, I sat there and talked to a girl and she said, you know what? By this time, um, you can you, make you it. Been, yeah. You could, you right. could just you, no matter what you're, you're far, you're far enough ahead where you could pretty much do anything and you'll make it there. Yeah. Um, 
and you got this. And like I told her about the Bigfoot 100 K and she's like, Oh, you really got to go. Cause like, that's going to be hard. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm going to quit. <laughs> and then I go and quit and I, I make the, do the, the marathon and I'm lying there and I do like, I'm like, Oh, my legs, my legs are hurting. And then, I don't know, like 30 minutes go yep. by, and yep. I'm, like, looking at the clock, and I'm like, well, you know what? If I were to go now, I could, like, even if it was a slow run, I could still make it. <laughs> yeah. And just going back and forth, and I'm like, you mother, you could have done anything I and know. just finished it. But I, it's just I wasn't there. And, yeah, I don't know where the, I don't know where the right balance mentally is. Yeah, I don't. Because, yeah, how do you frame things the right way? What is... You know, what's acceptable and who, I mean, who other than yourself Mm -hmm. cares? Exactly. Because at the end of the day, if you tell people you work with, they're either A, aren't going to understand B, well, you you did a cool thing. That's great. I'm happy to hear it. Okay, my life. And that's as it kind of should be because if you're trying to seek this affirmation, which we all do on certain levels, right? This uh, positive affirmation from others. But if that's the sole reason why you do it. Like, well, that, right. That's a really bad reason to be doing this stuff. Exactly. Yeah. And, I love getting praise from my friends mm-hmm. and slowly weed out the ones who don't, you know, mm-hmm. they, you know, yeah, exactly. Aren't going to give you that praise, but, um, is that's not the whole, I hope that's not the only reason you do it. And I've said that to myself several times during races and yeah. even, uh, long unsupported ones. Cause those are a doozy for me when I'm doing the solos and like yes. really checking things out in the sense of like, I'm pushing my mileage. Cause like, even with that marathon, I was surprised this happens. I find it happens, you know, here and there with these longer runs. Um, but I've ran, you know, longer than that. I think at that time, my furthest distance was like almost 40 miles. Right. Yeah. And I could, I had fresh legs the next day. So, right. And yeah. even from that race, when I was feeling that, you know, within like two hours later, no yeah. sore legs the next day, yeah. no sore legs. So yeah. it was all in my head. But, yeah. um, when I do the unsupported, it's like, okay, if I'm going to go, if I'm running, um, a marathon, I get, or no, I was running out to Stahikin this summer. It was a good example. Oh, Cool. And I think that was almost like it was 30 something miles round trip. I was doing like the PCT Bridge Creek and then through. Mm -hmm. Um, And you're like halfway out there. Um, I didn't end up making it to Stahikin because I missed my self-imposed cutoff for coming back to my son. But I'm like halfway out there. There's no other way to get out. And it's like, I'm tired. I want to lay down. And then all the things that happened in there, it's like it's such a, a frustrating a scary, sad, and happy place to be all at the same time. It's like when you hit that stretch where it's super hot, you're just not in it. But the only way in this scenario is you, back yeah, the way I can yeah. and you start moving yeah. now. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because there, there's not – when you're doing those self-supported things, when you're out – um, sometimes it's better to be alone mm-hmm. for me anyway, it's because me when there's someone there, I, I'll complain, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like my best hundred miler, that, that same Wasatch I was just talking about was, I didn't have a pacer. I didn't have a crew, um, just to see, you know, cause I had used those things in every race. It's like, Oh, can I do this without having somebody there? Mm-hmm. And I, and I found I didn't complain nearly as much mm. when I was alone. That was the extent of my aid was was talking to those two people and and both of them just told me to suck it up. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> wow, okay. Um, oh, 
And I had kind of coached my wife to tell me that. <laughs> so I was great. angry that she followed through with it. Because <laughs> yeah. in that moment, but, you're almost like, you know, someone who's like, I, don't, I guess lack of a better metaphor, someone who's like, I want to get off alcohol. And then they, you know, they help you and then you don't have alcohol. And then you're like, give me that you, alcohol. You, Why are you, you keeping jerk, it from me? Right. Like, yeah, yeah. It's very easy to cast blame. And that's why it's hard to, you know, for people who don't do these things, it's can be difficult in the moment of like why do i do this because yeah you, you know it, like in the moment i don't want to do it but in the grand scheme of like five hours <laughs> i do want to do it it's- there's there's this uh there's a motivational theory it's called self-determination theory mm-hmm. um desi and ryan are the are the proponents and i can send you stuff on it but um it it uses that paradigm of intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation, mm-hmm. and and their premise is that you know you should work to make things as intrinsic as possible, you know as internal as possible. You're doing it just for the for the internal gratification you want, mm-hmm. and their argument is that you know if you're doing it for those external reasons, you're going to quit, you're going to fail, you're you're you know you want it to be attached to kind of who you are, mm-hmm. you know, internally who you are. And uh, so I teach this kind of this theory and and go into some uh, depth with it. But I but I actually think I think they kind of miss the boat. Actually, mm-hmm. I don't really think that everything is like internally motivated or intrinsically motivated. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually think it's kind of a balance. You're kind of on that spectrum and it really helps to have some extrinsic and some intrinsic mm-hmm. and they kind of um, come into play at different times. Mm-hmm. You know, there's uh, whether it's whether it's a self-supported um, or a hundred mile race or any race, you know, you have, oh, you know, uh, in a hundred mile race, that buckle, I want mm-hmm. that buckle. Mm-hmm. I've, I've coveted that buckle yeah that's that's extrinsic that's clearly not central to who you are Mm -hmm. if you need that external thing you know i try not to covet things but i have things that i really like yeah um and and you know those buckles are important to me Mm -hmm. they are a sign a badge of, of an indicator that i worked hard but that's extrinsic motivation when i'm in that section along alexander ridge in wasatch that buckle means shit. Mm. That's not going to carry me through that part. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, then you turn back and you rely on, on oh, well, this is kind of how I self-identify, right? Mm. This is who I am. I, <laughs> I am that person that's going to get this shit done. Mm. I am going to do that. So so they kind I think they actually all kind of work together, and, and you need a balance of them. And, and, you know, then you have kind of this middle ground where it's like, oh, people identify me as as a runner people know i'm doing this right my friends know i don't want to let them down they don't give a shit you yeah. know they're mm-hmm. gonna love you mm-hmm. if they're real friends they're gonna love you your families they don't care mm-hmm. and yet i i need that at that moment mm-hmm. so i'm pulling from this whole spectrum of of both intri- intrinsic and extrinsic motivators to kind of stay in the game mm-hmm. and uh whether it's whether it's conscious or not i think we're kind of we're, we're probably rolling through the Rolodex going, no, nope, is, mm-hmm. is the buckle going to keep me through this? No, that ain't working. I'm going to call my wife. She's going to give me the sympathy I need. No, oh, she's wow. not giving it to me. Well, I'm tough as, as 
mm-hmm. as all get out. And I'm going to keep going. I'll show her. Wow, right. So yeah. is it, is that, you know, it's like, you just kind of go with the motivation that's going to work. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I kind of, I kind of think of that, that, that extrinsic versus intrinsic. And I try and when I, when I'm in those kind of dark places, I try and find the one that at that moment is mm-hmm. going to be the tool to get me past whatever issue I've got, mm. whether it's, you know, I feel miserable or this hurts and I don't want to keep going or boy, this weather's pretty bad. Mm-hmm. I don't need to suffer through this, oh, wow. <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. You, you develop those coping skills, right? Yeah. And those are, that was almost like a technique in and of itself. It, it, yeah. I use it as a technique. Mm-hmm. Um, Even like a learning strategy. Yeah. 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 I use it as a technique, uh, you know, and I'll actively find, I'll actively look in my mind for the thing that, I need at that moment. It's a little different when you're doing self-supported adventures. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's a lot more. Uh, well, <laughs> this is this is happening. Well, I got here. It's a surprising thing. This the self-supported is like um, less frequently are they mentally less frequently do I find myself wanting to give up and return home. Yeah. Um, and in the races, it, it's a little more challenging because I don't think I am as my curiosity, I suppose, in my sense of adventure is not as stimulated oh, okay. in a supported sure. event as it is in an unsupported. Yeah. Um, because it's, it's just like, there's a lot more things that yep. are going on. Like I have insecurities, someone behind me, hearing someone behind me, in front of me, oh, finishing times, and all of that kind of thing. And that's where, like, I found out with the loop <laughs> is I have a – and I've determined at this point that it is a preference um, where I don't like to redo a course over and over again. I don't either. Because I even yeah. would go to Oyster Dome, and that's my, like, that's my go-to, like, yep. training run because yep. great elevation. But, like, after a while, my feelings towards that was, like, I'm out here to run to to – to meet my goal and there was no like i'm gonna run through the woods i'm gonna smell all the beautiful smells i'm gonna hear the creeks it's, it's like just i'm gonna yeah. hop over that 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 creek for the fucking hundredth time this season <laughs> it's and, like the gym for you yeah yeah it becomes like the gym it, yeah. and then i've had to from what i learned yeah. from that was i would restructure my runs and i'd cycle through the area even though yep. that I don't have the best elevation, like oyster, oyster, I'm steep. Yep. But, you know, if something's a little more chill, that's okay. Because in my mind, I'll have a better mindset. And that's important for me. Um, have you gone up to pine and cedar? I Yeah, I've done pine and cedar. Yeah. See, that was my go-to. Training for hard rock, that was kind of my go-to. It's like up and down pine and cedar. Mm-hmm. And it's just terrible. Yeah, yeah exactly. you definitely get to the point where it's like, no, I just can't. I can't go there again. <laughs> yeah. And it, influ- and it informs me on how I pick, you know, the structured races and then also my unsupported things too. Yeah. Um, but the only times that it really got hurting for me was when my body was, I was out of sync intuitively with the, what I was going to do. I'm like, oh, I'm not really feeling the sticks to heat. And I wasn't like, I didn't physically feel great that day. And I didn't call it. I was like, nope, you're doing this. And I held myself to it. And I kind of regret that in the law or looking back at it. Um, but just to kind of pivot from that is doing these activities. I kind of said it before, but I'm finding that you reveal more and more of yourself because you're pinning yourself in all of these different corners based on your motivations. And in there you have to dig deep, right? Yeah. To, and to figure out yeah. like, you know, what would help you through this dark time or, you know, why are you even doing this? Um, yeah. Or when you're having fun, you're like, Oh, I really did like that. 
Yeah. And I, you know, I like to think that I'm a tough person. And then you go on some of those adventures and, and you see just how <laughs> easy that, that shell sloughs away. Yeah. You know, I, I, I was thinking while you were talking, I was thinking of this run in Southern Utah. There's a, a national monument called edge of the cedars. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, I did this and it's a series of like these, sandstone and and slick rock and and very beautiful red and yellow canyons you know just very much desert um people usually look at it from the top look down it's it's iconic wow um uh and i came in from the bottom and i thought i was in one uh, you know i'm following a map i've Mm -hmm. you know i feel like i've done my due diligence here i'm pretty good with navigation and nothing's making sense. And I realize I'm like completely flat out lost. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how do you get lost, you know, half hour from your home? <laughs> how do you get lost on, you know, I'm 10 miles from the, I mean, I'm not even that. I mean, if, to mm-hmm. me, I was not that far yeah. out. And yet I'm feeling desperate. And it's like, then you start and, and you make one simple adjustment. adjustment. You go, oh, well, maybe I misread. So if I climb up over that slope and then drop into the next drainage, then I'll be good. Mm-hmm. And then you're bushwhacking and then, and then you're on train. That's not comfortable. It's like, mm-hmm. and this simple outing turned into like a monster epic where it's like, <laughs> I was glad to come out uh, yeah. quote unquote unscathed. You know, I'm cut and scratched from sliding down mm-hmm. scree fields and bushwhacking. Wow. It's, it was terrible. Yeah. And, you know, everything about it was like, this is awful. This is terrible. And then you get home and it's like, oh, I, <laughs> yeah. I got through that. I didn't make any dumb decisions that got me hurt. Mm-hmm. And I could see where they were. You know, I could see where every single one of them was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I never got and I didn't get myself lost. And, you know, anyway. but yeah, you, you, so you come out with the right mentality. So where's you know, where's that? You know, where's the balance between, oh, I gave up or, oh, look, I can do hard things and and suck it up. Mm -hmm. And yeah, does your time spent negotiating that does that balance um, in having that that ability to cope in those hard moments um, or even dealing with the inability to cope in the hard moments? Does that carry over to your personal life? Does that help you cope with, you know, stress? You know, that's funny because it doesn't, it, to me, they don't equate. Really? It's like, I know on a fundamental level, I know that like your body doesn't know the difference between different types of stress, mm-hmm. you know, training stress and boardroom stress are the same to your body. The physio- physiological response is the same, you know, cortisol and all of that. Um, and so maybe having an understanding that my body's gonna respond to those different stresses the same way mm-hmm. has led me to not try and make that mm. comparison or, or, or do that, but no, I, you know, like I'm, I'm super stressed right now over having a 14 year old son mm-hmm. in a state where marijuana is legal and in a state, well, in a, in a world where vaping is like ubiquitous mm-hmm. yeah. and, and every other, every other pitfall that, you know, <laughs> teenagers, well, that you and I, mm-hmm. you know, all the landmines we stepped on, it's like, 
now I see him as an, an adult. I'm like, oh, how do I keep him from hitting all those landmines? And I and it's like that stress it, to mm. me is overwhelming right mm. now. Yeah, you know, he's just started high school, and I can't, oh. I can't. Uh, I'm not handling it well. Yeah, especially just starting <laughs> high school. Oh, right, yeah. it just comes out on him. It's like, well, where are you with your friends? Why are mm-hmm. you, you need to call me? You need to let me know where mm. you are every minute. He's mm-hmm. like, why are you? like this all of a sudden you know mm-hmm. it's like well because now you're old enough to know all the dangers yeah, yeah. that are out there and before you're kind of you know i kind of protect you and you didn't mm-hmm. anyway yeah yeah naive vulnerable so, stuff like that, so yeah. to me that um all of my experiences you know that kind of stress mm-hmm. i can't i look for similarities all the time we talked yeah. about this before but i can't see it it does nothing no. comes out mm-hmm. i'm not finding a way to um say oh i've had this before i can handle it it's 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 new it's new yeah so but yeah but I, and and i am a firm proponent in that concept of stress is stress yeah and my training's always been the thing that that gives like when work's stressful when family life's stressful <laughs> the training is the one that i'll i'll give and yeah. i and i tend to not i tend to not dwell on like in the last three years or so, I've been much more flexible with my training schedule. Oh, really? It's like, I don't, I'm not, I don't have a rigid, I must run 20 miles. It must mm-hmm. be at this pace. It must be in this mm-hmm. intensity or it must be at this elevation gain. I've, mm-hmm. I've been much better about that. And um, maybe that's because I'm, you know, working to get tenure in my job and, you know, have priorities shifting. Yeah, priorities. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like you for uh, a while, um, you know, before moving here in Southern Utah, I was, you know, I was a single dad. Mm -hmm. So I had my son and, and that was, you know, that was like stressful. So that Mm -hmm. shift started then when, when he came to live with me full time. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, um, you know, we come to Bellingham and my then girlfriend, now wife, you know, we both get jobs at Western and it's like, um, I think my expectation was, oh, we can share that burden mm, and mm-hmm. it should be easier. But no, now it just feels like I've got another person to yeah. to manage, take care of. Mm-hmm. Except she would freak out because she's very independent. Yeah. I'm not, how you know, anyway, she's mm-hmm. taking care of me you, mostly. But you still have to <laughs> but, always like consider how someone but, feels about this and like. Yeah. And, and, you know, she and I have the, we talk about this a lot, but. You know, my son is not her son, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. I've struggled you know with I mean? that a lot because when so I got divorced, like I can't, she it was, can't. She can't discipline like. Yeah. yeah, that's and that's kind of where I was because I was like, okay, what boundaries should I set here? Because when I got divorced, yeah. I was you know in these relationships, and it's just like, well, like you're not, this isn't your kid. And, you know, even just being in a dating relationship, it's like, well, you're not going to, that's not introduced to his life until you You, made this decision and this commitment, you know, it's like, right. And because it's like a big thing, especially to him. And I've had to draw those lines and think about it and even think about, okay, you know, when that does happen though, like, what is your responsibility? Like, this is my kid. This isn't you know that line. Yeah, is, and am I going to get upset if you try and tell him what to do, or am mm-hmm. I going to be appreciative? And and um, you know, I thought, oh, well, we'll get married and all of that'll go away. But no, no, no. Actually, now it's much more prescient. Mm-hmm. It's very much um, current because, um, and he better not listen to this because <laughs> because 
I, you know, and, and I've said this to my wife, I want her. So he doesn't talk to me very much. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, it's like pulling teeth to get him to tell me something emotional about him. Some, some connection. Oh oh, yeah. And that's part of becoming an adult. It it really is. Yeah. That independence. I think about it. My son. He's, he's, he's going, Oh, it's terrible. (laughs) When they hit about 12, particularly Mm. 13 to 14, it's like, he wants to have nothing to do with me. And that's what I mean. Whereas like right now it's like, I have the friends in jujitsu and like, let's go and do all these tournaments and I'm doing these tournaments. Um, and then at some point I'm like, okay, if I want to keep doing this, I have to really like put thought into this, but wait, he's seven. I don't want another kid. Yeah. Like not like it for, as you know, so I'm going to really enjoy being dad and that might make compromises, but that's where I like, I was, you know, giving my son more than 20 minutes a day, which is like an average of one-to-one time with my son. Crazy, I was giving, right? I, yeah. yeah. I was yeah. giving him like, you know, at least two hours. Um, but still I didn't want to like, okay, this weekend we were, we're going to have to do my thing and I'm not, I'm going to have to be very serious and very committed now because this is my big tournament. You know, I didn't right. want that. That wasn't the lifestyle because I, I grew up on like these nineties, you know, kids shows like liar, liar. <laughs> yeah. And the dads are not present. And <laughs> yeah. I'm like, mm, my dad wasn't around. And it's like, I want to get close to my son. Yeah. And, and cause I, I know that's coming where he's just like it the is. communication. He will become maybe more independent. He'll be the, he'll, maybe he'll be the anomaly. Yeah. But yeah. No, it was, it was like, it's like a light switch for, <laughs> at least for me. And so knowing that he feels that with me, but not seeing that with his stepmom, mm-hmm. um, you know, we we very consciously said, okay, I, I'm going to do the. Dis- if you see something he should be doing, you know, tell me, mm-hmm. and I'll tell him because mm-hmm. I want I want him to feel like he has a quote unquote neutral parent or a neutral per- adult mm-hmm. that he can go to. So he, so they they volunteer at the animal shelter once a week, <laughs> and they chat all the time. Like he tells her all kinds of stuff. I'm like, what the hell? Whoa. Yeah. Come on, bro. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but I think part of that is because he doesn't feel that need to distance from the authoritarian. Mm. So, I th- so I think, so anyway, mm-hmm. she and I talk a lot and we, we we're constantly tweaking this, mm-hmm. this algorithm of, you know, where's the line between, you know, if he leaves his, you know, cereal bowl out, you know, mm-hmm. you can tell him that kind of, you know, yeah. we're always constantly, doing this but but yeah it's tough that he wants to pull away and Mm -hmm. there's all kinds of stress with it and and that family balance is um awful Mm -hmm. the plus side is is that i'm i'm getting ready to go over to the metal today um my my wife is working an aspire trip Mm -hmm. over in the metal we're driving separately to the same place. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Um, because he's going to be spending the night at a friend's house. Oh, wow. And so I have a 24-hour window That's to cool. just play. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that part of adulting and parenting is okay. Because mm-hmm. yeah. now he's getting to the age where it's like, I don't have to be there. <laughs> we've we've done, you know, a couple trips where it's like, oh, okay, we're an hour. We're down in Mount Erie. You know, mm-hmm. we're climbing. We still have text, you know, everything. And he's just at home. Yeah. And he can take care of himself for the day. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, prove yourself that you spend the night and, you know, another year or two or mm-hmm. 10. I don't know. Yeah. You know, you'll be able to spend the night alone. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know. Since that's so, where I was at with like Alpine Climb. It's like, okay, I can crag a lot right now. My yeah. son can, like, yeah. my son will he'll pull ride his bike, but he won't voluntarily, like, we go hiking and he's going hiking, like, for me. 
I try to show yeah. him to him as much, but like when I'm going cragging, it's like an opportunity. I bring his friends with him. I take care of his friends. I have other chaperone or adults who, who watch these children and I watch the kids and I teach them climbing or I just play and, tag yeah. with them, whatever it may be. And like he gets to be outside, but like I, I went, dude, I, I like alpine climbing way more than cragging. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but if I just enjoy the crags, I love it. Like it's one of my favorite things to just climb. Yeah. So if I'm, cragging and just let that go go a little and do it here and there as i can but just focus on the crack then i can be with my son more i can be with his friends and i can be you know mentor to these children and, and stuff like that um i just have to think of what my opportunity is and work with what i have and you yeah yeah and it, and it comes mm-hmm. it'll it, it comes you know it'll be there eventually but yeah, mm-hmm. the opportunities now won't with 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 your son. Yeah, and, and so that's, that's smart. That's how that's you, kind of the, yeah. You seem like you really thought about that. Though. Oh, a lot. Put a lot. Yeah, yeah, very much thought about this. You know, in fact, um, uh, yeah, complete. When he moved, you know, I finished Wasatch the Wasatch 100. Had my PR, had my best race, dialed in my nutrition, all that stuff, and he moved, and and I knew that 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 was timed for right before he came to live with me and mm-hmm. that really changed it. I, you know, I mean, I, I, um, finished hard rock since then, mm-hmm. but that was with the support of my now wife, you know, and, and we've moved, finally we're able to move into the same, um, house mm-hmm. after several years apart. Um, I wouldn't have been able to do that. You know, would have had to turn down my entry to hard rock mm-hmm. if I'd been that single parent, because the training is, it was not feasible. Yeah to do that training with him there. Mm-hmm. Um, it just takes too much. And that's not just time. That's, that's energy. And it's, and it's those stress levels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it yeah. really is because yeah. I've thought even like with my son, my, one of my favorite thing to do is to read different kind of like parenting books, um, different psychology books. And like I, I give him somewhat of structure where it's like um, I like to go to different museums to learn, to teach him interest-based things. And I like to talk to uh, his teacher. He used to do early head start. So I used to talk to the person who worked with us and it's like, well, what can I do to make his life like, you know, to provide the, the best opportunities for him um, and to make it enjoyable. And like, I do what I could yeah. and I would spend time just like I would spend time, you know, learning a skill or even training, uh, um, like right now, like developing my son's homework. Like my teacher, he tells his teacher my okay. homework's too easy. And the teacher's like, well, if your dad wants to give you any kind of homework, you can. So I have a thing where it's like I'm teaching him how to read 700 words per minute. Um, oh, gee. And I think it's not 700. Yeah, so it's where you get speed reading, basically. Yeah, and you yeah. teach eye fixation. Yeah. And then math um, and guitar. And like I wow. think, think about these things awesome. and I research and try to do that. But I wouldn't do that. When I, I, I'm less likely to do that when I have this big overarching goal. Yeah. So I've had where, to learn. And where is the balance? And I'm probably not. I mean, mm-hmm. I, you know, I still go out and do all these adventures and so leave him home now. So it's like, oh. But, you know, but at the same time, though, the right, yeah. but, well, I've had my mom, like, she, she grew up, and this is just very, you know, just a singular person, um, but... She grew up and she literally she never traveled. She's um, she's worked a lot and she if she had extra money she would like we go out to dinner as opposed to me I'm a curmudgeon. It's like well we're gonna save money and we're gonna <laughs> go do something really fun. We're gonna go to the yeah. ocean and um, she, she she did a lot of self sacrificing right yeah. and she didn't have very many interests as I was growing up. Um, so with that I didn't have many role models and exposure to different things. Right. And that's where that like that middle way or that balance that you find yeah. um, of doing 
doing things for yourself and then doing things for your children. And as they become more independent, you know, it, it just moves. It, it moves almost even sometimes for, for us season by season. For sure. I, for sure. And it's and it's interesting. That kind of brings me back. And I think this is something you might have mentioned before we started that idea. Are you you were curious, you know, if my son is interested in the things that I like mm-hmm. and he's really not. He's oh, doing cross yeah. country now, mm-hmm. but it's, I think it's a mix of, well, I'm kind of making him <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's a social thing. He has mm-hmm. friends that do it. Yeah. He, so, you know, he sees me do all this hard shit. He sees mm-hmm. me do all these things, but it doesn't drive him. Mm-hmm. And I'm always curious by the families, the, the kids, you know, at cross country, you know, you go to a meet and you see the family and the, the kid the you know, the dad's a runner mm-hmm. and the kid's a runner and they're following in their parents' footsteps. And it's like, why doesn't my boy want to do that? I, yeah, I feel the why same way. Why doesn't he have any passion about climbing? Mm-hmm. He, it's like, we're, you know, if I, if I say, let's go climbing, he's like, I don't really want to. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I take him and then he's fine once we're there. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like getting out the oh, door, wow, Yeah. but, but no drive for it. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't, you know, it's like none of the, none of the things that I, love drive him mm, yeah it's just it's, I, i'm this is very similar like, in that okay sense. i so and, and and that for me is that cognitive dissonance of you know wait but but the things that i do kind of as i've just said i didn't want them to define i don't want one thing to define mm-hmm. me being the person that wants to do those types of things i want that to be def- or that does define me mm-hmm. like this adventure kind of mindset well, what's yours? Well, he's 14. Why, why do I need him to have it now? I don't know. But, but, but it's like, well, have something, have a passion, have Mm -hmm. something. And he's yeah, yeah. Like, Oh, you're driving me crazy. (laughs) Right. So yeah, I don't, you know, I don't know where the line is. I don't know how you, I don't know how families get their kids to do the things that they do. You know, how do they, how does a concert pianist Mm -hmm. child prodigy, form yeah without having without having that kind of internalized mm-hmm. yeah and i've given my son you know we've gone hiking we go camping we uh he actually misses like our southern utah desert camping oh wow it's yeah like, oh, i miss that camping <laughs> um uh so we've done all those things and yet at least at this moment in his life yeah meh. Meh. see that's wow so you know what is his passion i don't know mm-hmm. I hope he finds it. Yeah. But I feel like I've given him as many of the opportunities to feel it that I could. So that's where like sandboxing is great, right? Where, you know, you provide the sandbox so that Mm -hmm. they can play with different kinds of activities and allow them the freedom to, um, to trial and error and discover what, what works for them and what doesn't, and even just be meh for a while. Yeah. Um, and all the while preventing them from catastrophe, right? Because that's like, yeah, that's about the extent. Yeah. That's kind of for for me. It's it's so nuanced. Everyone draws their own line, but for me, it's like the extent of it is uh, preventing catastrophe unto my own son or unto others. And then other than that, I I'll talk to you. I'll give you advice if you want some. But have fun. Encourage the exploration. <laughs> Temperate so that it's not life threatening, mm-hmm. but therein lies the rub. It's like because mm-hmm. we live in this society that's built around security. Yeah, putting too many bolts on it. <laughs> Just kidding. Right, whether it's too many bolts on a route or I like that Brian does that. Um, <laughs> actually, his routes are great. Yeah, they are. Yeah. They're my favorite. Like. Um, yeah, 
Mm. Yeah, there's lots of bolts at Fun Rock. Yes. Anyway. I'll take it. I will too. <laughs> but with my son, I've had... Um, I but, I'm, but, I'm thinking, but I'm thinking like more along the lines of, you know, every... You can't leave the hospital without a car seat. You mm-hmm. can't, you know, um, bike helmets now are much more ubiquitous than they were when I grew up. You know, mm-hmm. it's like in the 80, in the 70s, you know, the idea that I would have worn a bike helmet... Um, on, when I was riding as a 10 year old, no, no, I had one of the bike hats with the little visor, you know, mm-hmm. the little cap. Cause I was, cause that's what they wear in that breaking away. Wow. So I didn't, I, you know, I, it, I think we're in a safer world and yet we feel like our kids are less safe. Mm. If that that's makes interesting. sense. Yeah, that does. Um, and, and so I'm constantly battling with that balance between go out and explore mm-hmm. But, oh, my gosh, do it where I can see you. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I am paranoid, and yet I know that, you know, it's a safer place. Mm, yeah. I, see, I feel the same way because I see that my um, my desire or my worry of my son's ability for self-preservation. Oh, right? it's, it's compromised. Yeah, and he, exactly. He doesn't have it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, yeah. wait, this is completely, this is just like my rationality with some fear of falling on, on a route. It's like, you're not going to die when you fall off. You you have a rope. And the, the, if you were to fall, there's no objective hazards, right? There's not a right. ledge I'm going to fall. This is a steep route. Yeah. Um, okay, this is all within my mind. And it's the same thing sometimes with my son. That, and like... I see myself operating out of almost things that are from like my childhood or, you know, even from my own mom. Right. Just like, no, yeah. don't do that. And then I'm like, Oh, wait a minute. And it's not that yep. bad. Like, right. Yeah. Break anything or you'll be fine. Like I want him to explore. I want him to see the world, but, but you always have that in the back of your head. It's like as a parent, you know, and it just clicks on. Mm-hmm. You don't yeah. even realize it's there. It know? really does. It's, like, it's so oh automatic. Gosh, be careful. <laughs> you know, you're out with your friends. Make good decisions. He hates it when I say that. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I had yeah. my son. He'd hang out with some friends, and I'd, you know, one like a few of them would be unsavory, and I'd, I'd have to battle to like don't hang out with them. And I wouldn't say that because I understand I how, how how much things that go. Tur- yeah. yeah, it turns Just, against you. So yeah. what I what I learned to do was um, okay if they come over, and then one of them's like, let's still rock that car, and I'm like, oh, and then I'm like, this is no, and then I, he like asked for an otter pop, and I'm like, yeah, you can have one. And then he asked for another one. I'm like, um, nah, I'm going to make some dinner. And like five minutes later, I want another one. And it's like, oh, um, okay. no, this isn't going to work. And then like, yeah. it was really uncomfortable. But what I decided to do after that was like, all right, if your friend wants to come over again, he can come hiking with us. Yeah. Because if he goes hiking with us, there isn't like, okay, if you're going to throw a rock, that, I mean, that's right. fine. Have fun. It's better than climbing, right? It's And when we're out there, if you're, if he's uncomfortable, well, there's only two options. It's either walk away from the car or walk to the car, really. Like, I mean, they wouldn't run off and get lost because self-preservation, right? Yeah. And any of those things. Not be mean to me because, I mean, you, you just keep walking, right? Yeah. Um, and so putting him in the environments where it's like, I can monitor them and I can help su- supervise their relationship, I suppose. But I can only do that for so long because as I he know. gets older. Yeah. But my whole thing is with my son, like that I've been trying to do is, you know, build those skills. Um, because un- unfortunately for yeah. my son, it's like, you know, his mom's like an alcoholic and like, um, it's just, just really challenging there. And he doesn't, he doesn't see her anymore. But like when he was, I was like, well, she's not doing anything illegal. There's just things that kind of make me cringe a little bit and worried. So what I can right. do, though, is, is I can 
provide you, even though you're a little little child, but provide <laughs> you with coping mechanisms and talk to you about these things. And that's yeah. what I've been trying to do. Because even when he's with people, it's like to teach you how to. Sure, if you want to hang out with people, like I hang out with people. I've hung out with homeless people, and I I, I really like that sometimes. Uh, because I'm interested, you know, in like yeah. that kind of lifestyle and their thoughts. And sometimes it's like, oh, especially when they're like alcoholics and drunk, it's hard to have a conversation with someone like that. But um, so I get it. Right. And I've had friends that were like could drag me down. Yeah. But I believe that there's things you could learn to protect yourself while still enjoying time with those people. Because I can't control who he's going to be around. I can just... No, you Help build. You, you give them the skills, and you hope that they use them. Yeah, yeah. And 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 my boy loves to loves to be danger or <laughs> um, or rebel mm-hmm. adjacent, mm. so to speak. You mm-hmm. know. Yeah. He's a good kid, <laughs> but he wants. He doesn't have any desire to hang out with the kids that come off as being good kids. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, I was like that. Yeah. I thought they were lame. I, so. I was too. Yeah, for sure. And and so you know, the fact that he um, will still talk to me about about That's anything great. really. Yeah. It's like, in fact, he'll talk to me about more things than I would have or even would still be Mm -hmm. comfortable talking to my own mom about. Yeah. So that's like to me, it's like, okay, as long as we can keep that Mm -hmm. and I know that there's that's going on, then you're not you're clearly not hiding anything from Mm -hmm. me. So that's my goal is that because I just try to foster that communication. When we have those conversations, it's like, oh, this is gold. Mm -hmm. I'll ride on this for another month or two Mm -hmm. of you, you know, talking to me with the tone that he normally takes. Yeah. Which is. You know, open disdain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> How was your day? Fine. Fine. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why the attitude? Where did this come from? What is that about? Are you upset? No. Why would you say that? <laughs> it's, it's really like that. So, it's voice. like, oh my gosh, teenage. Oh, this can't yeah. end soon enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, these guys don't do the arguments. I'd imagine. Ah, uh, it's yeah, it's funny, and I and you know, and I. So for me, you know, fitness has always been kind of central, but nobody really pushed me to be consistent. Mm. So I did that. You know, I did a lot of bike riding when I was 10, but then we moved to Washington, D.C. when I was 12 or so. Oh, wow. And it was a whole new culture shock. culture shock, shock. yeah. Huge culture shock. I got um, bullied terribly, which was a new thing for me, you know, as a... I was maybe a buck and change at, at mm-hmm. 14 years old. Wow. And so he's in freshman year. You know, my son's in his freshman year, and I'm thinking back to my freshman year, and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, I got beat up <laughs> several times in my freshman year. In fact, it's what, uh, you know, getting bullied and being this small little scrawny white kid in a in a school where um, – color now all of a sudden you know and i grew up in utah mm-hmm. and you know there was not a lot of color in my school yeah. and so now it's like oh wow i you know i don't feel i don't know where my place is here wow yeah and um so yeah i got to beat up and that's what made me seek out um martial arts mm-hmm. so i you know got into martial arts and and uh just like marshall mather says you know done put a stop to that when I threw my first punch you yeah. know it's like freshman year was terrible because I got bullied but you know I got some skills and and got some confidence and um 
didn't even really lay out the bully, but just kind of put him in his place, you know, mm-hmm. sidestepped a, a, a couple of things and kneed him in the gut. And, yeah. and it was, and that was it. Wow. It didn't hurt that mm-hmm. a bigger fish came along and, and beat the snot out of him. Yeah. Wow. Which was interesting to see. That's but, why. Yeah. So, but yeah, so it's, it's like his experience in high school is different from mine and I'm just having a hard time putting those together that's why I have a challenge with my son because it's like oh uh, because he'll do things where it's like I got when when we were starting jujitsu um, he started. He, oh, so he's he's doing yeah, it too. Yeah, he's, oh, that's yeah, awesome. he's been doing it with basically since I started. And yeah. he, there was one point in time where he's like, "I got more stripes than you." And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> "I've never had this. I've I've never postured when I was a kid. I've always been yeah. like me no, looking I would at never the ground, write, yes. like yes, <laughs> yeah." And it's like, what? Like, oh. I only had a mom, and you only have a dad. Yeah, this is I only different. had a mom for a, for much much of my growing yeah. up. Yeah, and it's so hard because yeah. I I think it's fundamentally different because you go like despite no matter how much I open up the 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 floor for you, no matter how much like I try to fulfill that role, I suppose it's different. Like you have a different relationship with like a feminine figure and a masculine figure. Yeah. And I'm not very feminine. Like, you know, as a, yeah. as a man. So I don't, I don't fulfill all of that. Yeah. Like, and I don't even think, I always thought I was sensitive. And then like, like, you know, like very emotional and like really put my emotions yep. out there. And like, as I do all these, like do the sports and stuff and I'm learning more about myself and like running and stuff and confronting my character, like I'm facing like the cold heart fact. I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm that sensitive. (laughs) Cause I like the way that I, like, I even think of like one of the things that I love to do all this stuff is like, so that I can feel something that is like intense. You know what I mean? Like intense excitement and intense, like fear and sadness and all these things. Cause like at the end of the day, like I look at my son, if he's now seven and like has been able to express himself, um, and his, his identity really for like, past year two years now and like now he's sensitive <laughs> like it's yeah and it's what he seeks sometimes i see him getting it from other people who are friends and i'm like oh i'm not fulfilling those certain needs and i don't know if i can hmm. foster that relationship i try to but he sees me as like this masculine oh, that's know, interesting figure. yeah yeah no i definitely uh, i have way too much empathy yeah you know, when, or, and, that, and that's the same. Yeah. Cause he's even, my son's even like, look at my medals. And he'll like, one time someone would come here. He's like, Shh, I want to put my medals on. And I'm like, don't do that. Like, what are you doing? No. Um, right. You would, yeah. yeah you would never be like, yeah. <laughs> like they're in some dusty box somewhere. Like, yeah, I guess I do have a lot of empathy, but yeah. yeah but empathy is different than, I mean, my wife always says that, oh, you're, you're definitely the female in our relationship. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, I'm okay with that. That's what yeah, would be said to me. Like, and I wouldn't even watch, like, sports, really. Like, I wouldn't watch football or I'm anything like that. I'm not a football like fan. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm not into... I'd always be playing with the kids and yeah, stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's... Um, oh, I don't remember what I was going to say. <laughs> but, but, but I'm definitely that way. I definitely feel, you know, super sensitive. I would never... It's like, this is my lane. I'm staying in my lane. Yeah, exactly. You know? And these kids, and and the only thing I can take from that is that, oh, we must be doing something right. Mm-hmm. You know, I must be doing something right to, and he's and he's better off than I was at his age. Yeah, it's like wow, if he's confident enough to say that or to tell me that mm-hmm. or to do that at school, he's doing he's way better than I was. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'd have been hiding 
And I would have been using actually what I would have, I wouldn't mm -hmm. have been hiding. I didn't hide. I never tried to hide. And that's probably my, was part of my problem. <laughs> I tried to use humor. I used oh, humor really? to diffuse as many situations as I could. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. I'm surprised I didn't crook you off into like a comedian. Um, that's I, I, in fact, that this leads to another one of my kind of lifelong issues. And that is that growing uh, well, growing up until very recently, I always felt like I was immature, too young, that nobody looked at me as like an authority figure. Whoa, really? And you're 100%. a professor too. That's I know. And I'm a professor yeah. now, but you know, I mean, been in teaching for years and years and just had no self-confidence wow. as far as like, I, I just felt, uh, young and inexperienced you know i didn't martial feel arts like I, didn't hit that for you to learning you know martial arts i mean maybe stuff. during that i mean i uh i so i i did some martial arts when i was in in high school then we moved so i i i didn't pick it up again until i went to college mm -hmm. and then um did it for about 10 years and uh worked my way up in um american kempo so um mm -hmm. uh um uh, up to black belt mm -hmm. And then kind of hit this plateau where it was like I had been learning more than I was teaching. Mm -hmm. You know, there's an aspect of teaching, mm -hmm. I think, probably in all of it's the built all in, of it. It's yeah. built in. Um, and then when I hit black belt, I I was being heavily utilized to teach. And, and, and I lost, you know, I lost the interest because mm -hmm. for me, you know, teaching was a career. But but um, and so I was good at it. I liked doing that. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's why they. <laughs> you know, leveraged me in that role to mm -hmm. teach more. But, but then I just felt like I wasn't going anywhere. Wasn't mm. ever going to get, and you're helping others more than you're looking at your changed. own. So mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah. Um, fencing, mountain climbing, caving, <sighs> black belt. It's just, it's just, I can't, maybe I'm flighty. I can't figure yeah, out what I, I want to do. That's exactly what I think too. It's just like, I'm like, my favorite, I went full like MMA, my favorite yeah, thing. Yeah. And then I'm like, Ooh, what's jujitsu? Cause I was just doing wrestling and stuff. Okay. And then one of my friends gets knocked out and gets amnesia in the same match. And when you do kickboxing, amateur kickboxing is knockout or draw. And oh I'm like, gosh. I get full custody of my son. And I'm like, Hmm. In, I'm not like the top <laughs> yeah. 10 coach in the United States. So it's like, okay, if I'm going to do that, He's, this should be my singular pursuit. Right. And I need to find like the highest quality instructors because the consequences are high and I'm a single dad. So nope, I'm good. Um, yeah. Let me go. I like to write. I love to do other things and this would compromise that. Yeah. And I get into jujitsu, but then as I go along, I get introduced to rock climbing and then running. And I'm like, oh, jujitsu is not my number one thing. And having to reconcile with that, with the community that you identify with, and then move your main point of focus anyway to something else is hard because that's that that strikes my ego hard because it's like am I am I giving up because I'm reducing my volume at this when I look at my other friends and you know they're following their own metric of success um, and then I feel like I'm like abandoning my it's, community. It's you know? interesting it's, too because you know in that you know in Ed Parker's Kempo you mm -hmm. know it was very much like. You know, there were people and that was that was their life yeah. that defined them. And then I have friends and it's like hundred mile races that defines them. Mm -hmm. That's who they are. They they self-identify as that person. And I dance around with each of those. And then I find that it's like, well, no, that's not all of me. Mm -hmm. I'm all of these other things. I want to do all these other things. And so, yeah, I don't you know, do you like that definition of yourself? Um. It's a tough one because mm -hmm. I, and, and as a person who has kind of, you know, self doubts and self, mm -hmm. self, 
yeah, I don't know, self-doubts. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm constantly battling those internal demons, and I do that through accomplishing hard things, and it's not always just one hard thing. Because as soon as I've done that, it's like I hit, I, you know, I got into ultras to do hard rock. Mm-hmm. And I finished hard rock, and I still put in for it. I'm going to keep putting in because I really like it. It's yeah. really amazing. I, I want to run hard rock. But um, uh, it's that 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 drive for 100 miles, it, it really just tanked. It's like for three years, I haven't felt the same drive to, to do it. Now I have to re-qualify for hard rock. So mm-hmm. it's coming back, <laughs> but the rock climbing, you know, so it's like, yeah, I don't know. Defining myself. It's like, no, I don't want to be just that. Yeah. No, I'm way more than that. It's like that. Per- is this been a personal narrative though, that has been running through your life? Yeah. And that's the thing that yeah. that's where, I guess that's what, how I came to the conclusion. I, I don't have the ability yet to articulate it very clearly, but where I've looked at the people who your singular pursuit is jujitsu or rock climbing or running. And I'm like, mm, it's not, that's not where it ends for me is because it's been a personal narrative that has been going on since I can remember. Yeah. And since I remember of, of developing one, of thinking about like, you know, who I am in relation to others and, and what I want, because like I would I would sit around when I was younger and I'm more interested in like what you're doing and how you got there. And that's like a high level. Co- of course, it wasn't like that when I was like, a uh, you know, uh, a middle in middle school and high school. But like I would have these very roundabout conversations. My friends groups weren't a solid group. I had close friends in a variety of things and I always had a variety of interests and I'd get obsessed with something and then kind of let it go and then move on and let it go. But like there's, I look in my own life, you said that you're interested in like, you like being of service to others. Right. And I'm curious what your feelings are in teaching in all the things that you've done, because I look back at my life and I look at writing and drawing and creating and then uh, also teaching and those are skills that overlap in everything that I do. Yeah, there's a lot of a and, lot of overlap. And if I were to try to even tie things together, there are ways in which I can tie all of these things together so that I can do them more. Yeah. And it seems like you're almost finding an organic way to do that as a professor. It, but in, in a, li- a little bit, yeah. yeah. So my I have research that looks at exercise and working with kids with disabilities. So, but. Um, yeah, those pa- yeah they're there, and uh, I mean to draw a very specific um, uh, connection to that, you know, rock climbing historically is kind of a mentor type activity. Mm-hmm. You know, until I would say this century, you know, the last decade or two, the really you, the idea of hiring a coach <laughs> to teach you to climb. W- would have been laughed at. It's not. It's not something that was really done much, um, and yet now that's that's now an avenue. But you know, when I started to learn how to climb, it was grassroots. You know, you found a mentor, you followed that mentor. They told you what they knew, and you gradually worked through working, climbing with them, being you know kind of a junior partner, even though it's it was not necessarily expressed that way. Yeah. And and gleaning what you can. So I learned to climb. I learned to cave. I learned to mountaineer in that very that very um, way. You know, mm-hmm. I had mentors that kind of took me through, and I learned from them. And and then would go off and find other people. And so, you know, I still feel that that drive to mentor other people mm-hmm. in climbing, and have you know, with greater and less success, done that with with many people. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and 
really enjoy seeing someone come up to something that feels absolutely impossible or Mm -hmm. that scares them to death and see them climb. And then, you know, for everyone that does it and overcomes that fear and goes, okay, I did it. Yay. And walks away. There's, you know, the one out of the 10 that, that goes, I need more of this. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you go and you take them and, and, you know, you, you, you know, they come and, Oh, what's, well, how do you clip this? How, what's back clipping? You know, what's Z clipping? Mm-hmm. You know, how, how do you know it's always going to be clipped right if you do it this way? You know, it's like, yeah. oh, well, this. And, and you go out and, and, you know, so actively, and, mm-hmm. and I, at the time when I was learning to climb, didn't realize that they were probably doing this. But now on the other end, it's like, oh, when, when you're, you know, when you're out climbing and you say, oh, yeah, well, this is how we do it. It's, you know, it's because it, you know, you don't end up, having, you know, knots in your rope or mm-hmm. it, you know, flakes out better. Or when you throw the rope on a rappel, you know, do this and this. And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. If you, if you do it in, in two handfuls, you know, it's like, it tends to not get mm-hmm. knotted all these little things that, you know, how did I learn that? And yet now I know, oh, I'm specifically trying to save this person grief for mm-hmm. not having to learn it the way I did or, yeah. or, or learning it the way I did. And, uh, yeah, so that teaching, I love it, and mm-hmm. I and I'll do it in climbing too. I do it in running. Running's pretty pretty natural, yeah. you know. You just start running, but <laughs> yeah, I get great satisfaction out of it because with the climbing thing and my son, it's like okay, of course, when I take someone, some a partner to belay me, and I offer my son the opportunity to climb, yeah, it's like oh, with third wheel sucks, yeah. and a kid, an adult, like that kind of sucks too in some fashion. So I'm like, do the thing where I teach jujitsu and I ask the um, student's parents, uh, if you'd ever like, I can take your children or you can come with me too. Cause this seems weird. Oh, but right. Like, yeah. Um, to come climbing. And surprisingly they're like, Oh yeah, sounds great. I'll just drop them off where. And I'm like, Oh no kidding. Really? Yeah. I've been teaching there for like three years, but I'm like, I'm by cliffs. They're on ropes. I hope you know that I know how to tie all these things. Like that's true. Yeah, wow. it is. And like I'd explain to them that I've had these, you know, I've had partners that come with me and yeah. it's always a, a two to one adult to child ratio. And like they have, you know, kids usually and, and all these things but they still trust me. But then I, we go out there and like I find <laughs> that my favorite part, I can go and pick some hard routes that I'm projecting on like Erie. Um, projecting just hard routes that I really want to do. I'm not yeah. even at that level of concentration yeah. yet, but um, or these easier ones. I'm more likely to spend most of my season doing the easier ones if it means that I get to bring even adults all in yeah. out and try these things. And I find jujitsu. I'm doing jujitsu, and I'm like, uh, I'm grappling with someone, right? So we're doing like a live sparring round, uh-huh. and. If they're, regardless of where they're at, I try not to be rude or anything, but, like, if I see there's an opportunity there, specifically if they're lower, like, belt than I am, um, just learning, I will stop and I'll give it to them. I won't, and I'm training for a tournament, perhaps, right? I've done this before. And it's like, instead of focusing on my training, I stop and I'm like, hey, put some pressure here. And so that's where I find myself, okay, you don't have the commitment for you know competing professionally but oh you really like to teach yeah. and and yeah. if i were to like to teach right it applies to to all of these things that i've done but you're right with running it's like 
It, it doesn't. It's kind of I hard mean, people, to teach that. Well, but. people always, you know, but you can still mentor people in running, you know. It's, mm-hmm. Oh, so 185 calories works for you per hour. And that's what? Oh, that's, you know, that's tailwind. I do, you know, tailwind and then Coke and chips and, mm-hmm. oh, I'll try it. So, I mean, there are ways. Someone can go out and try that and they go, oh, that was terrible. Yeah. That doesn't work for me. And um, so, I mean, there's, yeah, mm-hmm. I enjoy that too. Yeah. But. And did you, when you looked at like all of the activities that you've done in regards to teaching, would that be something that would be fulfilling for you to participate in? Or would it, would you rather and, to keep it, keep it as it is now where you're working at a separate thing, separate activity that's work? In um, yeah. So my work, so it's kind of the same way. It's like my work doesn't define who I am. Mm, it's okay. a part of who I am. <laughs> And, and I've always been very compartmental mm-hmm. in in all aspects of my life. Um, so, uh, you know, I uh, here, here's another mm-hmm. one. So I used to ride motorcycles a lot. You know, mm-hmm. do a lot of like stunt riding. And, Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so cool! Like street bikes or like um, yeah, the little bikes, bi- oh. sport bikes. Uh, we, we did some pocket bikes too, but I didn't have one, so yeah. I, I stayed with the sport bikes. So wheelies and stoppies and stupid shit like that. Um, oh, what were we? <laughs> Remind me where I was going with that. I got sidetracked. Um, I think I lost it. Shit. Damn. That's my bad. You're good. There was a reason for that. I enjoy these moments, to be honest. Yeah, I don't know. It's, but it's humanity, though. Because it's like, people get nervous sometimes, like, oh, wait, uh, I lost the conversation. Yeah, but I it's totally like, lost oh, no, it. completely happens all the time. Like, I expect, yeah. I respect and I admire you and your pursuits, but it's like, oh, no. Well, that's fucking annoying, though. <laughs> um, I don't know. Backpacking it with had something my to do son. With, yeah. Anyway, was like I've taken my son on a variety of backpacking trips, and I've always felt a little iffy on that because <laughs> every time that I take him, there's probably a twenty percent of the time where it's like, I wouldn't say agony, but it's like he's having a meltdown on the yeah. middle of the trail, and like I in my head, I'm like whoa. So I'm not the kind of person where I guess. I said it wrong earlier. I do. I'm very sensitive emotionally. I just don't express a lot of emotions yeah, outward. That would be fair. So yeah. like I would, I would s- think if you have empathy, you'd have to. Yes. Yeah. And I would see him and I'm like, oh, I can't just tell him to like move and go forward and just like suck it up. Cause like then I'm having him like encouraged to like push those emotions down, but he's got to cope with them. And I can't just like stop here every, you know, 10 minutes. Cause this is going to take us a long time and this is going to get worse. And I go back and forth in my head. So I'm like, I find my balance, right? And by the end of the trip, I'm like, well, he had a lot of fun in these moments. He loved it out there, and then he hated this. And then, like, he's telling me, I don't want to go for a long time. I don't want to go back. And then I'm, like, feeling worried for, like, a week or so, wondering if I should do this or just compartmentalize it and have it just my thing. And then I, like, talk to his, you know, guard duty. That and word she's like, reminded me. Of, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, Thanks. And then, yes, you're welcome. And then... <laughs> She's like, no, he, he tells everyone about this. He's so stoked. He loves it. That's awesome. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's a, your role as the parent is never to see that. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting because, yeah, I totally get that. And I think part of that is, is kids, that's their way of, they don't have a lot of control mm-hmm. in their life and being able to control their parents that's part of the control and i think that's where my son is now for sure like um 
I can talk to you this way because I can, and I know it gets to you. <laughs> yeah. So he works that needle. He'll work it until it's deep, buried deep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so rolling back, <laughs> um, compartmentalizing. Yeah. So I, you know, I had a lot of people that I worked with that had no idea I rode motorcycles. <laughs> and... Um, the people that I rode motorcycles with knew I was a teacher and because I had at the same time, you know, I'm riding around with these and I was maybe about 10 years older than them. So I was about 30 when I was really good at, at, at riding and they were all early Mm twenties, uh, or even late teens. And I'd watch, watch them wreck and, and just overstep their bounds and everything. But anyway, they, so they everybody there called me teach my mm-hmm. nickname was teach they had no idea what, i mean literally people that i knew for 10 years had no idea what my real name was wow and that was okay with me and we would go to go back to one of the other things you mentioned mm-hmm. is, uh so you know they would have these very singular party you know motorcycle lives and yet we would show up uh they would they would show up at the circle k or wherever we were hanging out taco bell to to pick up chicks and I would park and go sit on the curb and read Don Quixote or War and Peace <laughs> because I, I was on this during that same time. I was on this kick to read as many classics as I could. Oh, wow. And so they just constantly see me reading. So there's pictures of us and, and I'll be sitting there, you know, under the lights of this convenience store outside <laughs> at three in the morning. Yeah. And they're just waiting for girls to come by. And then when the girls come by, they get on their motorcycles and then I'll go out on rides with them and we'll, <laughs> we'll go ride and do wheelies or whatever it is. Wow. Um, so yeah, that compartmentalizing, I'm, I'm very good at that. Mm-hmm. And it's part of how I keep myself from feeling like I'm stagnating. Cause I mm-hmm. think that's part for me of, of what, each new thing is, Mm -hmm. is I just need something that's challenging for me to feel alive or feel like there's value in my life. Yeah. I I need to have something that either pushes me. And if I can't find that drive from the thing I have now, I'll find a new one. Mm -hmm. I completely agree because there's something that makes it all worth it. And it's an underlying thing that exists within it all. Yeah. And what, even within now, like I even have like for jujitsu, it's like, I'm at the the place and where I'm learning, right, is just not, for whatever reason, is not providing that stimulus for me. Yeah. And perhaps, like, a little, like, under the hood thing that that is pushing me, like, I, you know, I get into climbing, right, and I'm getting more into climbing. But perhaps the thing that encourages yeah. me to love the climbing more, right, is because I don't get that stimulation there. So I'm getting. It's certainly to, that way for me. Exactly. Yeah. Like not even without me. It's just a natural occurrence, like uh, of my life. Like they say, like oh, I hate doing that. like amor <laughs> fati, which is like Latin for uh, love of fate. Okay. And it's yeah. like regardless of what happens, you know, yeah. you, you just you just love the, you love the experience. You love how how it's going, and it's like I see these things that are happening that are out of my control. Being a, being a single dad, the experience yeah. at my gym, um, you know, having f- more friends that I would like to affiliate with who like to go climbing right now. Like they're really making me feel very good to be around. Um, so it's like it's pushing me in this direction where either way I would have been very fulfilled. Yep. But that challenge is there and that affiliation is there. Yep. And so I'm just, oh, now I'm going to be climbing a lot more now. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, and yeah, I totally can see that. And I don't. I don't think I'd be a great father though if I had those challenges 
to wrestle with. No, and I'd be a better father. Fa- <laughs> I'd be a better father if I could consider parenthood as one of those challenges to overcome in life and threw myself as hard into it as I feel like I do with rock climbing or with running or with, you know, mountaineering or whatever it might be. Cause I feel like I get pretty good at those things in parenting. I just kind of feel like I'm perhaps stumbling through, I don't know, some kind of log in your river. That's like preventing you from flowing as well as you do in those other things. And it's just whether or not you can identify it and, I listen to the way you talk about, though, like between you and your wife, right? The way you guys like decided to set those boundaries and have those conversations. Very analytical. Yes, very analytical. And I would almost lend itself because you don't, it doesn't seem like you're really into math too much. But especially with what you said earlier. Yeah. 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 But I would almost say that like it sounds like you do that a lot and you're running and you're climbing and like. As and that's yeah. me trying to draw parallels because I no, love for them. sure and 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 yeah and you know if you draw and if I'm drawing those parallels yeah I'm challenging myself by doing all these things and parenting is challenging it's why I love you know my boy as mm-hmm. much as I do and and care and and concerned you know for his well being um, but at the same time I think that desire to prove myself stems from probably low self-esteem yeah to be honest you said self-doubt earlier so and yeah. self-doubt mm-hmm. so whether it's self-esteem or self-doubt you know maybe i'm using those synonymously but it's that same idea that's like um you know i never felt like uh an authority and it's only recently that i kind of feel like oh i'm kind of hitting my stride as a professor i'm old enough now that mm-hmm. you know i feel like people are looking at me like oh, okay mm-hmm. yeah we can we can listen to this guy. Mm-hmm. He knows what he's talking about. I mean, I really don't. Yeah, yeah. Well, but I don't I, think anyone I, ever I, does. It's, I play real well. But, I act really but, well. But we, the say, <laughs> saying that is just like what what happened at your at your when you're trying to do the hundred miles in under twenty four hours. Because what you're right when you get to the point to where you believe it, or or at least you you believe it a little more, right? Yeah. Is because it's even that that imposter feeling that yeah. people who are really good at something, or maybe even a celebrity, for instance, might feel right, is that they don't deserve to be where they're at, but. The plain fact is, is despite like a few um, genetic um, abnormalities and like um, some different situations that we grow up in, we're all like the same. Like between yeah. me and a doctor, right? Like there's not right. much. There's very little it's, variability it, between. Yeah, exactly. Between in the grand people. scheme of things, right? Yeah. If you don't yeah. dive too much into the nuances. And so with that, like the way that I look at you and the way that I frame you is not the way that you would frame yourself. No. And, and I know that because I, mean, I know that because of what you say about yourself. But I also yeah. know that because of how would I think about my own self. Right. And that's right. why like the, the self-doubt and the low self-esteem, like <laughs> I would credit you as like someone that I admire who does a lot of cool things that I would like to do similar things and lead a life like that. And when you're listening, you're speaking to a place for me of authority in the sense that you, you've lived all yeah. of those experiences and I hope to do the same thing. And you give me a metric for success a little more because I've seen that you do those things and you seem rather, you know, fulfilled and, yeah. and pushing yourself still. Yeah. Um, but you would compromise that position for your own self and your own, like uh, your own personal view yep. um, with the self doubt and the insecurities. But those are perhaps the things that drive you forward. To do all for, that anyways. for sure. Yeah. That, I mean, I wouldn't, it's, it's, that's the weird thing. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, yeah, I have battled with self doubt and self and, and imposter syndrome throughout my life and all these different things. And yet 
if I hadn't felt that, maybe I wouldn't have felt the drive to do this hard shit. And those things define me. And yeah, so it's, it's, it's interesting. I think those, the things that you do as activities, right, are just the motivation, right? It's, you don't consciously choose those, but to be able to confront your insecurities and self-doubt, because although that doesn't obviously overlap as of now, seems like it's starting to into your day-to-day life but in your own life or I yeah. mean, in these activities in, in, you're exercising bravery confidence you're i mean you, yeah. you fucking lead rock routes so if you're leading alpine rock routes i'm wondering do you are you how much self-doubt are you expressing to your party and how much insecurity are you expressing like honestly um it really depends that's funny because it depends on the setting <laughs> it's like in fact um were we on when I saw you at at Liberty Bell? Mm-hmm. Was that with a big group of that women? That was with yes, okay. a very large group of women. So yeah. my friend had hired uh, us to to help guide wow. her her friends up. Mm-hmm. So um, you know I'm there in an authority role, mm-hmm. and I don't let shit. They don't see shit. Yeah. They see I know. <laughs> I know everything, right? They, this is how it is. This is what we're doing. Uh, well, wait, we didn't say we're. No, it's totally fine. That's the way it is, and we go. And if I and if I say no, we're not doing this. We're not doing it. So it's it's weird because in that role, hundred percent, like I got this. Yeah, I got this. Mm-hmm. And yet, two three weeks later, my <laughs> wife and I, we fucking go out to Prussic Peak mm-hmm. in the Enchantments to do the Stanley, Stanley Bergner. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian mentioned going to that and then doing something else. Smart motherfucker. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, God. I, oh, absolutely. I have very rarely have I suffered more than we did on the Standing Bergner route. <laughs> it kicked my ass so hard wow. up and down the block from one side to the other. It's wide. It's It's run out. It's burly as it is. It is. It was tough. And for being like, I think the modern, you know, it used to have a historically it was like a five, nine plus. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) There's nothing five, nine about it. Are you serious? It was. Yeah. Anyway, it was. It. uh, Yeah. So there was much wailing and lamentation (laughs) on that climb. My wife led the first pitch, which is either a 5'7 chimney or this kind of um, um, 5'8 off-width. And she put her, she put, we, I hauled a number four cam all the way, the 10 mile approach. Wow. All the way up there. She placed it too low. So she, and she didn't want to down climb back to it. So she on, on the first pitch is, I've never been more scared belaying a partner than on that pitch. She gets to the top. She's a a cowering mess, Mm -hmm. like just mentally fried from that. I climb it on top rope and I'm carrying the pack and shoes and everything. And it's this off with crap. And it was, it was all, I mean, I'm on top rope. So it's like, nothing's going to happen to Mm -hmm. me, but, um, it was just a thrutching nightmare. Oh it was my gosh. awful. And this is the first pitch, and it's the <laughs> easiest pitch on the whole climb. Yeah, first pitch, 10 miles in. Oh, gosh. 
And we both get there and we're like, there's trees right here. We could just bail off this. Mm -hmm. She's like, we've come all this way and you want to do it. And you haven't even had to, you haven't even led yet. And I'm like, yeah, but you're not feeling it. I didn't feel it on that one. That was terrible. And she's, so we kind of convince ourselves to go on. And then it just gets worse and worse. There's a flaring, uh, flaring off with chimney and... For all you viewers out there, my oh. fingertips are about four inches apart because there's like a crack in the back of it, oh. and my elbows are wider than shoulder width. And it, so, the deeper you go, the more secure you are. So mm -hmm. I, you know, I could stuff myself way back in the back of it to place gear and to be secure, but it's polished smooth, either from oh, glacial movement or from a thousand other stupid idiots going up <laughs> a stupid route. Anyway. Long story short, I did nothing but bitch and moan <laughs> and cry. I, I, I got to the top of that, um, led all the pitches. Um, it was absolute desperation the whole way. Wow. On a 10, on a 510. Yeah. And I rolled out. I, I belly flopped, porpoise rolled onto the top. <laughs> like literally, literally the last gasp of any energy. <laughs> And I I don't even have the energy to, like, openly cry. I oh just sit God. there. <laughs> Tears are rolling out of my eyes. I'm like, that was one of the worst things I've ever done in my life. This is terrible. And I've run – I've done all of these things. So by the by the first end of the first pitch, any sense of confidence was gone. Yeah. At that point, it was just survive. Wow. Absolute survival climbing. Um there's a five nine chimney or not chimney, but like well, I mean you go through a chimney. It's like face climbing, mm -hmm. lots of cracks, you're shifting from one crack on this wall to the other, and then you come to this like squeeze, like there's a chalk stone and mm -hmm. you squeeze behind it. Ooh. And it is tight, tight. Wow. Like, like arms are up and you can't and then your arms are up and you've got good holds on the top, like mm -hmm. jugs, huge jugs. But you can't get any leverage to get your elbows to kind of even, you know, oh, wow. upper strength. You can't even out. you can't even pull up, and you can't see your feet, and you can't find the. Oh my it's god, fucking that'd be miserable. fucking mind boggling. And you're, yeah, I mean, I had gear right, right mm -hmm. at my waist underneath this, but you're at the end of the pitch. You basically belay from right there, mm -hmm. and so it's like this is supposed to be five nine. This was the part I was looking forward to, and yeah. this is just terrible. <laughs> and then you have the flaring chimney and the flaring chimney you know um was just miserable just ate wow. me alive just oh just dying in it oh just cheese grated just beat up and then the last pitch is like this five nine supposed to be stellar but I found it kind of awkward. The balance was off. You're shifting from one crack to another. I couldn't, I just would, I don't know if it's rhythm, flow, or just was out by that point. Wow. Then the top is just slightly overhanging and, and cants to the left. Ooh. And so you're doing these kind of hard moves and it's like um, the crack you have flares too much. They're long. They were long. Some of them were long pitches really? too. Yeah. Like that one was like 150 feet or so. Oh, wow. I think it was a no. I don't know. Yeah, I can't. It was really That's long. It was sustained. long. I yeah. mean, it, it, it was over a hundred feet for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah, full rope length. Full rope length, and it's pretty solid climbing. You rest every once in a while, <laughs> but um, 
it it's just sustained climbing. Wow. And the top, there was this one move where it's like it gets wide and there's another crack, but it's like it's like one crack is aiming this direction and then the other one that you can actually jam or lie back is facing another way. Oh. <laughs> and I'm desperately just, I can feel my fingers slipping to the edge as I'm making the last move with like 10 feet from my last gear. It was oh my scary. Oh, that would be frightening. Flop out on top, tears. She comes up, she goes, that was terrible. What? That was terrible? <laughs> Neither of us. Wow. It's not in and then And then you have the 10, you know, then you repel five kind of involved repels yeah. where you can pull stuff down. It was kind of not, not a straightforward repel. No. And, or not an easy repel. And then back around to the packs back and down then to, 10 miles out. You guys went down Asgard Pass, right? No, we actually came in the other way because we didn't want to do the steep up uh, and down. So we sense. went uh, Snow Creek. Yeah, Snow Creek. Yeah. Was that pretty good for um, the approach? Did you like that? Or? It was reasonable on the way up. We were fine on the way up. It was uh, Suffer Fest to come out. It was, yeah. Just I, so long. Just so long. I did, before you guys did that one, um, I did the, uh, like 10 minutes or so. Yeah. Um, Prussic Peak, and then I did the West Ridge. Yeah, you did the like, West Ridge, yeah. Five, seven, bah, it should be great. And, yeah. like, the distance, I'm, you know, I'm comfortable with it. But then my did friend— Did you go in Asgard? Um, yeah, I went into yeah. Asgard, and I left Snow Creek. And oh, okay. my friend, she never hiked more than 10 miles in a day. Um, and okay. I was like, I warned her, because I was looking for a partner. <laughs> I couldn't find one. And, like, I've taken her climbing and, you know, showed her what I knew. Um, and then I'm like— <laughs> This is like like you know thirty ish someone miles right like it's, yeah. it's gonna be a day. And she's like, oh yeah, I'm down. All right. And then we go and uh, I feel so bad. I was bitching. It, yeah. I was bitching half the way. <laughs> when I get up to Asgard Pass, I'm like, I'm na- I'm napping. And then we woke up because I was just super tired because we. Yeah. I, we got hardly in sleep the night before, and I'm like half awake, going to the um, climbing up to the you know the pass up there uh-huh. to start the start uh-huh. the pitch, and she's like having to prod me forward. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm like, so we can turn back, right? And that's where I had you know it was helpful to have someone around like that because it was like, no, you know we've got this. We're gonna keep going. We've come this far, and I'm like, yeah. And I took a caffeine pill, perked up. Oh uh, yeah. But it was like, and then we climbed uh, the West Ridge. We didn't make it to the top just because it was weather or something, right? Yeah, it, yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, and and she was spooked. Or snow? Was, I was it snow? Spooked. No, it wasn't snow. It was, oh, okay. it was perfectly fine. The weather was great. We got oh. up there. I lifted my hat off, and it would. If I were to let go, it would. Boom, oh, it was really off. windy. And I'm not, I wasn't used to that level of, like, that yeah. level of wind. Because the Washington Pass is where, you know, I'd climb. And, like, it's never really been like yeah. that for me. Yeah. And so I'm kind of feeling a little racked. I followed a, a party who kind of went off route a little okay. bit. Yeah. As opposed to using my own critical thinking skills. Yeah. And so we're just getting diminished. And by, like, the second pitch, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm cold. And she's just, you know, racked with fear. I'm, like, let's let's head back. It turned out to be a night. Hour day, I think. Yeah, that was ours. Was, yeah, yeah. we had the same. Okay, uh huh. We started at 4 a.m. and got back at 11 p.m. That is somewhere. almost that's very well. No, I think we started at six. Oh, maybe we started at four. Well, I think we had the exact same day. Really? Yeah. I think so. Mm-hmm. I don't remember now. I think we woke up at four. At four? Yeah. See, I tried it to. It was close. But but the last, the 10 miles out, mm-hmm. it was, was just, neither one of us were talking. <laughs> no. We were barely, mo- it was terrible. I was really proud because I was, I, it was terrible, right? 
But despite all of that, um, she was very resilient and she started running. Oh, and, wow. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, cool. All right. Because so, you That's know awesome. how, how it is in like Alpine, like partners are, it's very important to yeah, partners to have that a, for me that I yeah. pick, you know, and yeah. to have someone who can motivate me forward like that, like it, it's super helpful because I'm not always on my best, you know? No, and, no. One, yeah. No one ever can be. And that's what, you know, that's, I, I love climbing with my wife because we really kind of, you know, all, all but that that time yeah yeah we balance each other well when she's feeling low you know i'm feeling pretty good and and when i am she's there to balance it out and 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 we can kind of tell where each other is Mm -hmm. and and should be and so it goes really well but that one that would have that was a low point yeah (laughs) and um, And that had been my summer goal that was like that was the climb i'd wanted to do all year that's how prusik was Mm -hmm. and i was like i want to back out and leave and yeah in all those moments they weren't like four star climbs no four star pitches well i sure i didn't i thought yeah it i didn't think the grant i didn't think the rock was all that great a quality i I didn't think the climbing was all that great lots of gravel on every ledge that you were constantly getting peppered by the rope litter yeah the kitty litter stuff yeah Yeah. yeah. so yeah in fact yeah we kind of down climbed a little like the very tail end of the west ridge you you saved me a nice um what is it epic because what my thought was because see but Here's how it happened. I literally got back down, never doing this again. This is yeah. just horrible and, like, no good, very bad day. Yep. <laughs> and then, like, I wake up the next day, I'm like, so, when do you want to do that again? <laughs> yep. <laughs> and my thought was, um, <laughs> I'm like, oh, we'll just, we'll camp, too. We'll, we'll go in for a and permit, then, yeah. and then we'll be fine. Yeah. And then, like, a week goes by, and then I was talking to her. I'm like, let's just do a car to car again. It's completely fine. <laughs> And, and then I was thinking, I just do the five night because that one, the Wesley Burger, looked a little more classic. And then hearing your yeah. story, I'm like, hmm, I'll finish the West Ridge because I got to finish what I started. There, and there is one more to the right of Stanley Burger, uh, and it's Becky? rated five nine. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe. I think there was a Becky, Becky one on something. There. Yeah, Becky something. Yeah. Um, but it starts with that five seven chimney mm-hmm. pitch. <laughs> uh, I don't know. You shake it off with over I'm a not, chimney? No. <laughs> oh yeah, you didn't leave the first pitch. No, I didn't leave the first pitch. But neither one of them looks appealing at yeah. all now. Now, uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I want to go back. I want to do the West Ridge, mm-hmm. much to my wife's chagrin. <laughs> um, um, because you know, I think I can do it with about four cams and maybe four nuts, mm-hmm. and just uh, we have double ropes, so I'll just take one of our double our sixties, yeah, a sixty double, you know, it's like an eight mil super lightweight, mm-hmm. and oh, just yeah. double it over and climb, you know, climb as a double rope, but mm-hmm. but climbed in a hundred foot. Oh, that'll be nice, yeah. Because I don't, I you know, from what I understand and what I could see, you know, none of the pitches are long, Mm-mm. so you know, it's like, you know, climb up. Climb up, climb up. Yeah, they weren't yeah. long so, really either. A hundred foot rope would probably work well. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely am excited to go back up there. And it's just, it's interesting seeing that relationship between, once again, like where do you draw the line? And yeah. like, I find in climbing now, I sometimes I draw the line. I want to draw the line because of my partners, luckily. Yeah. Um, I don't, but I want to draw the line earlier than perhaps I should. 
I think some of that for, is some of that is. Yeah, I, it's I just, said should, and I'm like, that's not even yeah, true. Yeah, but it's like, not. It's not even that. Maybe maybe should is not the right word. Maybe yeah. the word is, um, you know, before the safety becomes a real issue. Yeah, exactly. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, and I and I get what you're saying, and I always I default to coming in that. I, I wish my boy would come home and start yeah, sweeping yeah. the floor. Yeah, he does this right now. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I would say, though, that... But like, I think that's a safe... So, mm-hmm. so I had the same concept mm. with, my, with, with motorcycle riding. Yeah. And it's like, um, you know, we would take corners, and you'd try and go as fast around a corner. So mm-hmm. you're leaning off the bike, you're dragging knee, oh, you're yeah. going around this corner, and it's like, oh. signed for 45 miles an hour. It's okay. <laughs> it's signed for 45 miles an hour. Um, I know, based on my ability, without without going into a safety margin, I can double that. So I know mm-hmm. I can take it at 80. Oh. That was just kind of the mm-hmm. standard. But then if I'm really focused, if I know the corner, I can do at least <laughs> I can do at least 10 miles an hour over that. Whoa. So it's like, okay, it's marked for 45. If I'm on point and I know the corner. I can do it at 90. Yeah. So, you know, and I know that 90, 90 miles an hour is still probably 10 miles slower than uh, my threshold for, for something's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I, I have, I have an error window. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does. So I'm leaving, I'm leaving more window than my ability. <laughs> that, and I, and I watched so many riders, they would go out and they would push right to the end of their ability. Mm-hmm. And, then it's like you you either go over it and you crash, or you stay under it and you think, oh, I'm lucky, and you keep doing that. Mm. It's like no, I always tried to keep a safety margin. Like I never pushed it to the point where I, and very rarely where I pushed it to the point where I was off the bike enough that I'd feel the back tire sliding out because mm. I was mm-hmm. leaning too much yeah. and going too fast. That's and so it's this kind of like you know. So climbing is the same way. It's like I have this like um, this three strike rule. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's research on plane wrecks, and I and I do need to go. Yeah, but, yeah, absolutely. I know. I'm sorry, <laughs> but this is the problem. Yeah. I'll never stop talking. Yeah, um, uh, uh, in plane plane accidents, modern modern airlines they say that it's typically seven errors or seven mistakes or seven issues before before a, a jetliner will crash. Mm-hmm. Seven things have to go wrong. Wow. It's not one thing. It's not two things. It's usually seven. So the first thing is, oh, you have a uh, a pilot who goes on autopilot and leaves the cockpit. Mm-hmm. On any given day, on its own, that's not bad. Mm-hmm. It's when you then have this and that all the, you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's yeah. like so, compounding yeah things compound and they compound in the mountains so i have this kind of rule that like i pull the plug if if it's two or more things mm. so if we hit you know more than two things go wrong on a trip leading up to something it's like nope this is not going right because mm-hmm. one bad decision usually leads to two more yeah. leads to five and then all of a sudden you're falling off a cliff or whatever it might be so so i always err on the side of caution and i and i always listen to that little voice that says i'm not feeling it mm. i've backed off so many climbs and walked away from stuff just yeah. from that feeling and sometimes i think maybe my body or my mind knows something that i don't consciously see and i'm gonna and i'm not gonna 
I'm not going to fight that. And just in closing, I would say that looking at all the things that you've participated in and your longevity and yeah. consistency with those and mentioning your consi- lack of consistency when you're just doing heavy running and then, you know, you so you go lame after your, your yeah. A goal and you couldn't do anything. And um, just just looking at that, right? Like you you, you have a lot of credibility on that. I'm, I'm less and, good with the running. Yeah. Because it's because the consequences aren't quite so dire. But I'd argue that. But in the mountains, I'm, yeah, 100%. I'd argue there's life in general. Because, I mean, I haven't seen you get a catastrophic accident from using, doing any of the tricks with the motorcycles, with running. I mean, you're not yeah. like literally broken to beyond. Like, yeah. There's no problem. So, like, if any of you guys are ever looking to someone to look up to in terms of consistency and longevity you know like this is a great episode for that yeah for sure Mm -hmm. and and we'll leave it we'll we'll leave it with this i'm not above those things like i fell and got a concussion last summer Mm -hmm. and i broke five ribs on north early or north twin north twin sister in in december so i i i i balance things out yes i've had my share of close calls but i but I got out of that, got out of both of those, I think, because I left mm-hmm. enough room for those kinds of things. And yeah. they were not, you know. Yeah. And yeah. the other thing is that with <laughs> Prusik is I was happy that I wasn't able to do it. Because I find that yeah. when I walk away from that is my goal next summer. And that goal is so much meaning to it, me because of that's it. That's right. Yeah. And, and, if you, and if you walk away and you go, wow, I made the right call. And the drive isn't there. Mm-hmm. It was 100% the right call, and you're yeah. good. Mm-hmm. And, but if the drive is still there, then it's like you can always go back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can always go back. Always All go right. back. Thanks, man. I appreciate yeah. it. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the podcast. And thanks to the Living Arrows for that song, Wild Hearts. You can check them out on Bandcamp as the Living Arrows. And if you'd like to follow the links um, that we talked about in the episode, you can find it in the show notes, becominghumanpodcast.com. Be sure to rate, review um, on iTunes, Google Play, wherever you happen to listen to it, and pick up some merch for the holidays. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Have a wonderful week. Bye.
wake up in the 